Stallone versus Three Seashells, The Bride versus Bill, and Tom Hanks versus The Captain Now, this week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, telling you what happened when 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Each week we travel back 30, 20, and 10 years ago, back to this week in time, this week being October 6th through the 12th, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, that means 1993, 2003, and 2013, to tell you about all the cool movies, music, TV, video games, and more, and I just, at a glance... I swear I came away saying this week is one of the most interesting to be alive. It is, there is so much happening this week uh, in so many different categories. You will not believe it. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. I'm going to try to keep it clean this episode. So my name is Buck and I like to party. God damn it, Diana. <laughs> I'm going to get sued. Well, I'm J.R. Rawls, and let's blow this guy. <laughs> uh, I understood both those references, and you if you don't, you will in a minute, or an hour, or two. Anyway, also right at the well, bat. Can, can I redo mine, though? Sure. Because I'm Diana Goodman, and I am the captain of the Pinafore, and a very good captain, too. Okay. <laughs> references, save the references. We got them all here. We got clips for you to play. It's not just people talking about stuff. Um, but we also got to thank our fourth mic, which is patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks. We'll give you over a hundred extra shows, including a brand new seasonal Halloween show. Uh, the fourth season of Elm Street Nightmare focusing on what series, JR? The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. So, yes, uh, give us five bucks. Uh, got an A's in depth on vacation coming up as well. So, it's not just spooks. Uh, thank you guys for so much for your support. Thanks for listening. Let's move on with the show. But again, seriously, give us money. Uh, welcome to 30 2010. So much to talk about. So let's get started with 1993. Bring you in with a little bit of news from October 6th to the 12th. First off, the UN lifts economic sanctions against South Africa. Yay. Yeah. You know, they stopped with the being dick so much. Mm. It worked. It's like the only fucking time, but it worked. Yeah. Cancel this your apartheid parties. Part of- yeah, this is part of why everyone. This is part of why everyone was so optimistic geopolitically in the 1990s. Mm. It was the end yeah. of history because fall of communism, fall of apartheid. China's opening up. It's smooth sailing on out from here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good way to put it because you know you saw you saw the Berlin Wall fall a few years ago. Uh, countries reuniting treaties uh u.n lifting sanctions huh it's not all bad um and then it got really bad again but it can always get better uh ask the bulls who after nine seasons and three championships uh with the chicago bulls a little player that nobody liked michael jordan (laughs) announces his retirement for the nba uh which doesn't take but also gives a space jam (laughs) It took for long enough. This was the biggest sports news of the 1990s. I cannot recall a bigger sports story than Michael Jordan retiring and then rejoining. He's all of 30. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm the best there ever was. And I'm done. 
Well, my dad died. I'm sad. Dad yeah. died. Always wanted to. He loved baseball more. I want to try out baseball, and I remember that. Just and there's a great documentary from ESPN. I think it's called Jordan Rides the Bus because uh, he gets makes a big show in the in uh, the Chicago White Chicago White Sox immediately is busted down to the minors and is now <laughs> helping sell out minor league games because he's Michael fucking Jordan. It's an I would go see a minor league baseball yeah. game just to see him, just to see yeah. Jordan strike out. Yeah. Obviously, it's the novelty. It's the Jamaican bobsled team all over again. Like, oh, there's something different. Cool. The, oh, goodness. I haven't seen someone so survive what could be a possible scandal. Or maybe we just didn't cancel people as hard and as fast as we did 30 years ago. Ted Danson appears in blackface at the New York Friars Club roast. And it, is it of his fiance? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Whoopi Girlfriend would be Goldberg. We Made talked about America Made in America. Yeah, they met on that. He left his wife. It cost him so much money. And then at a Friars Club roast, which granted, everything is on the table at a Friars Club roast. You can get as un-PC as you want. But he went just that little extra bit of appearing in like old-fashioned minstrel blackface. It is It is almost exactly, and I do not mean to sound like I'm defending any of this, what Kramer did. Like, this is me being offensive. This is me being funny. And like, you don't know this world and you have really crossed the line. Even, even though nobody in the Friars Club cared. It's when the transcript and pictures hit the public that everybody was horrified. Well, and there's no video. No. Yeah, I no think video. that if yeah. there was like a video that someone took at the time, you would still be giving... Uh, Ted Danson shit over this yeah, because no, there's I, no video. Yeah, I have to push back on the people in the room were not offended. David Dinkins was there. Yeah. The first black mayor of New York <laughs> and he was infuriated. It, uh, but but well, what I was like a meeting of the clan. What what I was <laughs> what I was reading is that like well, Ted Danson, if you can believe it, doesn't really talk about this and he does it in very vague sentences like what was I thinking? Anyway, that's how Ted Danson yes. talks about this. And he, right. Correct. And that is the correct way to, way <laughs> to talk about it. Of like, well, that was a dumb idea. I went too far. Because Oops. I wasn't phased much either until I read the transcript. And it's the material as well is pretty out there. Whoopi Goldberg defended him like almost every other comedian. The comedians there said, like, it's a Friars Club roast. It's like you're supposed to do the most offensive thing. But it turns out there is a line, and I we were only wondering last night, the Comedy Central roast, which used to be the Friars Club roast being televised, hasn't appeared since COVID. And I mm. want it to. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I think it's hilarious to jovially get in a spot where everyone's mean to each other and no one's upset. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it's I've laughed at a number of clips I've seen from it. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I think it's it's just everybody. It's like you make everybody a certain kind of comedian for one night. I think that's a really cool exercise. Yeah. So this uh, didn't go well. I mean, it in a weird way, like it helps his career that he wasn't doing anything at the time. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Cheers has ended. Made America came out a little while ago. And it's like if he had had a TV show on. If Becker had already started, I, yeah, he it might be. I fun. was going to say, his next big role, he is cast as a cantankerous, borderline racist curmudgeon. <laughs> and I wonder mm. if it's because of this public perception. I just feel 1993 is too different of a world for that to be of anything more than a, like one 
paragraph in your local TV guide, and then everyone just moves on. Because I cannot think of any like comparable scandal at the time that had an effect. Yeah, and even this didn't stick around very long. And and no. again, there there are pictures, and they are insane like no a good comparison is, is to you know uh what's the name kramer going nuts and it's like that was spontaneous and just bad comedy that he hadn't thought out this is planned out he brought the black face with him and he brought a watermelon to eat okay yeah so Dick, that it, is planned all ahead. the material is horrifying as well it was not just what he wore uh but look it up for yourselves feel free to horrify your friends uh, recreate it with AI. Why not? Maybe we can finally get rid of uh, Handsome Frankenstein and cancel Ted Danson once and for all. Uh, and then yeah. last last bit of story. This is one of the things I was very much on top of because it was affecting me directly, unlike all this other stuff when I'm a little kid. Uh, five-year-old Austin Mesner set fire to his family's mobile home, killing his two-year-old sister, Jessica. Beavis and Butthead are blamed. Fire, liar, fire, fire, liar, fire, liar, fire, liar, liar, liar. Fine. Liar. Liar. Yeah, no. This is, I mean, it's so fucking tragic, obviously. Um, but keep lighters away from five-year-olds, but that's hard to do when you're a drug addict, which his mom was. Mm -hmm. And obviously struggling really hard with two little kids. And um, I'm not really sure why she decided to blame Beavis and Butthead as the kid when you grew up later, it was like, we didn't have cable. I'd we never seen that before. We didn't have cable. Because mom was an addict. We didn't have money. And and like yeah. Beavis likes fire because that's stereotypical for people like Beavis and me. Uh, kids like fire. Kids will play with fire. That's why they tell you not to from birth because it's yeah. fun and looks cool. Yeah. But I hope there's no younglings listening, but yeah, it, it is really cool. As long as it you is don't really hurt anybody. Cool. And it's very easy to hurt somebody. Yep. Yep. And <sighs> yeah, thank God yeah. we never did. Burned down a couple of homeless encampments, though. That was a, that was a weird accident. Oh. Yeah. I, I didn't know. We didn't know. There were shotgun shells in there, and they ignite. Um, oh. And <laughs> we had to run like motherfuckers. No, um, God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Don't, don't play with fire kids. Uh, but yeah, Beavis and Butter blame. All you five-year-olds out there listening to a podcast about <laughs> movies and television. It could happen. 20 and 10 years ago, don't play with matches. It could happen. It could yeah. be on their leapfrog right now. And 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 the thing was, uh, I think still, not. I don't want to say still, like um, if you have like Paramount Plus, they have an all-day like streaming Beavis and Butthead channel. Those clips of Beavis playing with fire are still edited. Granted, those are from cuts they made 20 years ago for the DVD release and I, I don't know if they have any plans to be fully restored but like yeah a bunch of Beavis and Butthead episodes just begin with like one of them like burnt to a crisp with no explanation <laughs> mm -hmm. just because they got rid of they cut all the fire stuff yep even him just saying fire fire fire, fire they fire. got it yep. yeah but I do love how they played around with that on the show later on like they had him work at a fast food restaurant and go fryer 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 no they, and then then the new season of beavis uh, the first new season of beavis and butthead it's there's one episode just starring beavis and it's him dealing with fire uh, yep. uh the, the god fire of fire talks to him the fire talks to him <laughs> and makes him do good things uh all right we can move on to the movies of 1993 because these are all unbelievably fascinating um, except for this one. I don't know this well, one. Well, 
this one's fascinating in its own way. Um, Michael B., Nicholas Cage, James Coburn, Sarah Trigger, Peter Fonda, Charlie Sheen, Talia Shire. We got a Cage, we got a Shire, we got a couple of movie, everybody. Yeah. This is uh, directed by Nicholas's brother. Or, yeah, Nicholas's brother, Christopher. Yes. Um, and it's supposed to be some sort of noir thriller. And it uh, sounds like it's fucking terrible. Everyone says horrible things about it. Michael Bean says it's like the worst movie he ever made. And Michael Bean has made some choices. However, if you want to see Nicolas Cage with zero filter whatsoever, <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. If you've seen those clips of him freaking out, I'm like, what is that movie with him in the bag? We go, bah, 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 ah, ah. Uh, that's this movie. It is, I, I've tried to watch, it's impossible to watch other than those sequences, and you can only take about four minutes of it. Holy shit, Deadfall. Yeah, he feels like he's been dubbed from another language. Mm-hmm. And in that other language, he is on all of the meth. See my fucking rage, man. It like it's the delivery is absolutely wonderful. Oh my god, yeah, worth looking up on clips. A guy who, <laughs> uh, a brother who cannot control his own relative. It's great. Uh, what might be the most critically hailed movie of this week? It sh- certainly is the most star-studded. Lyle Lovett, Annie Ross. Hugh Lewis, Huey Lewis, uh, Laurie Singer, Francis McDormand, Peter Gallagher, Lily Taylor, Jack Lemmon. I'm not even halfway through. Bruce Davidson, Andy McDowell, Tom Tom Waits, Lily Tomlin, Fred Ward. You know who's the director if you got Fred Ward and Tom Waits in it. Uh, Annie Archer, <laughs> Matthew Modine, Madeline Stowe, Jennifer Jason Lee, Chris Penn, Tim Robbins, Robert Downey Jr., and Julian Moore <gasps> in Shortcuts by Robert Altman. <sighs> yeah. You ever you ever watch a movie and like you know it's good? But you don't like it anyway? Yes, it's this fucking movie. And that's why Thank you. I was so bummed out because like, I thought The Player, which we watched last year, was one of the best movies we watched. And I had seen it before and it didn't do anything for me really. And it really, I saw this even more recently than The Player and this just seemed kind of indulgent. Kind of a, a I, really soft magnolia. I have a genuine question. Yes. Yeah. Did I like this film? Because I don't know. I watched this film. And I was like, do I like this? Maybe? 22 unrelated intersecting stories? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, yes, there's uh, based on, like, seven or eight Raymond Carver stories, plus there's an original thrown in there. And it's just about all these people in L.A. and their intersecting lives and, and all their problems and unhappiness and relationships and uh like raymond carver not a lot happens it's not plot magnolia is the obvious thing to compare it to it's also three hours and intersecting stories in la those all kind of have arcs and these have much shorter vaguer arcs they're more snapshots and so that can make it less even less commercially appealing than magnolia which can which a lot of people uh, also feel too indulgent yeah, but it, like I don't hate it. It's really good. This is him. He's cashing his black check after the player. Everyone loved the player. It's, so many of these stories feel like they don't go anywhere. Like I don't I think know that's the point about I, those characters or why. I, so I don't think that's the point of this film. I think this is very much a slice of life. We're meant to see what was it like in Los Angeles in 1993 for overwhelmingly white middle-class people (laughs) going about their daily lives. I really do think that's the purpose. It's Mm. not supposed to 
go anywhere or do anything. It's a snapshot in time. And I think on that level, it succeeds because these are people, most people go about their daily life. They're just doing daily stuff. And that's not something that's usually filmed because why would you film it? (laughs) So I think this is a noble attempt. There are some moments that I really appreciated the storytelling method. Like there's this one girl who accidentally hits a young boy with her car. Uh, He gets knocked over. He walks up. He's seemingly fine. He walks away. She tries to help him. He says, don't talk to me. You're a stranger. And she lets him go away. And she's like, oh, gosh, that was scary. I'm glad he's all right. And then the boy dies because with head injuries, a lot of times you can be fine and still die from them. And she never learns that he died. Throughout the whole movie, I'm waiting for the moment when she's going to learn that she did this horrible, horrible thing. And it never happens. And she's going to go through the rest of her life not knowing that she killed a young child. the audience knew. Exactly. Mm. And that's something that I think only this method of storytelling could really get away with. It's it's something I don't hate and appreciate, but do not love on the level of other Robert Altman movies. And I hear a ton of people like, this is a masterpiece. And like, I am not there yet. Not there at yeah, all. Like there, uh, some of the stories they definitely tell you something about the characters, about the human experience. You know, they have an interesting arc of where they and they, you know, it's never A to B to C. It's sort of a general vibe of you know Tim Robbins being the shitty cop who's cheating on his wife and like steals the family dog because he's annoyed by it, but then has to go get it back because the kids are so miserable and it's like. Does he learn a lesson? No. Does he change? No, no, no. But it's sort of part of the rich tapestry. Mm. But yeah, and so many parts of this movie stick with you. You know, I literally have not seen this in 30 years since I saw it in the theater Mm -hmm. with my mom, (laughs) which was real uncomfortable a couple times because there's a there's a whole bunch of nudity. There's a naked dead body. Constant. There is yes uh, the rather famous scene where we find out if Julianne Moore is a natural redhead. <laughs> yes, she is. Does it a lot. <laughs> I can think yeah, of three she movies a, where we she can has a find whole out. Scene, and I love the shirt that she's wearing basically frames her crotch perfectly. So it's like <laughs> you can't not be staring. God damn. But it all has a point, I guess. Does it though? I, guess. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah, it always, it always felt like a movie you need to watch more than once to let it take over you. And I, I've never done that within a s- <sighs> small small enough window to really have this movie I, affect me. I don't have the time in my life right. to watch this three-hour, 22-story movie a second time before nope. I'll have forgotten 95% of it. Well, yeah. let's get, let's I move on just, to uh, what Jr. did somehow make time for. <laughs> who probably long uh, movies? Ho, we got your long movies. Who, right? who, we have uh, one of one of the longest uh, studio movies ever re- released to to theaters. It's definitely the longest studio rele- movie released in our or any of your lifetimes, unless we have like a ninety year old listener I'm unaware of. Uh, Jesus Christ, Jr. You get the Grape Jobs 30 2010 Spirit Award this week. Stephen Lang, Martin Sheen, Jeff Daniels, Tom Berenger in Gettysburg. I want this to be the final battle. Faith made them soldiers. See in hell, Billy Yank. War made them brothers. See in hell, Johnny Red. Courage made them heroes. We are an army out to set other men free. 
Gettysburg, rated PG. Uh, Gettysburg. So, listeners, now, I wait. did not... W- uh, before we even start, a lot of listeners are probably saying, Diana, why isn't this in television? This was a miniseries on TNT that ran every single weekend for a hundred years. <laughs> no, no, listener. It went to theaters at four hours and 15 minutes. But I didn't watch that version, Diana. I watched the director's cut. Oh, no. (laughs) Which is even longer. No. Yes. It's it's a whole battle in real time. It takes four days. (laughs) 271 minutes. So I I think we need to add this to our long show alert chart because it is longer than Gone with the Wind. It beats Gone Uh, with the Wind by a whole half an hour. Yep. Oh, my God. So I loved this film when I was young because this, I started getting into history and this is history. This is totally like, do you want to learn about the Battle of Gettysburg? Here you go. This film explains a battle more than any other battle film I can ever think of, you know, and that's what this is. This is a battle movie, you know, uh, there's no women in it because, you know, no mm-hmm. women fighting the ba- Battle of Gettysburg unless there were a couple uh, hidden and dressed up as men, which sometimes Probably. happened, but was very rare. Yeah. Um, but this film really focuses on the tactics. What, what did it mean to take a hill? Now, I've walked around Gettysburg. I've gone there. And there's a couple of times when I was like, so let me get this straight. This hill that I'm getting winded walking up with my sun visor and slushy. <laughs> if I was back here 150 years ago, I'd have to charge this up in full gear with my musket while other people are hidden behind trees able to shoot at me. Carrying your brother's feet and torsos. <laughs> I'm going to drop my weapon and pick up the flag and then I'm going to run until they shoot me. The the one thing I will say bad about this film is that the it one is. Thing. Uh, I well, no, will I have, go to I bat for this. I actually right. will go to bat for this too, but there's I have, do definitely have some complaints. But all right, sorry. This is a pre-Saving Private Ryan war film, and it was designed oh. for television. The actual Battle of Gettysburg, you had people's jaws being shut off, shot off. You had limbs torn apart by cannonade you had people slipping on the blood because it was so gory and entrails all over the place it was a slaughterhouse you never see that in this film because it was designed for television this was originally supposed to be a tv miniseries but ted turner was looking at it and going this is so amazing we're getting such great we got to up this uh to a movie and i'm glad he did because this is also a very specific moment in time. This is like as popular as Civil War reenactment say, ever got. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. this is this is the peak of that it, it, super th- cool. They were super awesome hobby. They were very much <laughs> making it for them. And no, it's still it's still insanely. I have actor friends who are paid to go participate to make battles look bigger. To this day, it holy shit! Like the, these people, the people who care have deep pockets. And uh, a seemingly an infinite amount of free time. So why not make well, a four-hour movie? When I retire, uh, 
by the law of middle-aged white men, I have to get either into Civil War battlefields True. or World War II airplanes. I got to pick yeah. one of them. I, I don't make mm-hmm. the rules. You could just get into Tom Clancy, I think. <laughs> Little modern yeah. version of both. Yeah. No, I think it's tough because I have I have so many issues. Now, I watched this as a miniseries, and it's pretty good. Like, like JR said, it is, it is very technical about how do you do pre you know this this slightly pre-modern warfare right at the brink where we have guns but they take so long to load and then we got cannons but they're pretty accurate so they can fuck shit up we're like this is the end of trench warfare before world war one where trench warfare we see what a terrible idea that is so it really loves the tactics and yes the the foolhardy bravery that it takes to charge a hill um but and you knew this was coming because i am a killjoy and a native pennsylvanian uh it loves the south Mm. and Mm. can we listen to chamberlain's speech before we get into that well i get to it because ted turner he also he loves the civil war and there is sort of that noble you know lost cause sort of thing which works very well here because this is the turning point where the South is pushed back and they're never going to get this far again. And they, you know, and Lee fricking knows it. He knows it like this. We could, we could end the war if we could just keep going, but you can't. And it all falls apart. But of course, what are they fighting for? We're not going to talk too much about that. I I got to push back on that. I do not okay. agree with that interpretation. Let's listen to a Chamberlain speech on why the North is fighting. This is a different kind of army. If you look back through history, you will see men fighting for pay, for women, for some other kind of loot. They fight for land, power. Because a king leads them, or, or just because they like killing. But we are here for something new. This has not happened much in the history of the world. We are an army out to set other men free. America should be free ground. All of it. Not divided by a line between slave state and free. All the way from here to the Pacific Ocean. So you get that passionate speech from Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. And it moved me at then and it moves me today. And they have the southerners talk about it and it's very glib it's my rats my rats Mm -hmm. and it's a joke um this film is showing you southern soldiers are fighting for what they believe in but i think it's far making a stronger case uh for the north than it is for the south unlike gods and generals which i am gonna say is you know (laughs) the most pro-Southern film since uh, Birth of a Nation. But (laughs) I do not think you can make that claim about Gettysburg. I think this is a lot more pro-freedom. I will say it could have been better. Here's why. Mm. Because Mm. during the lead-up to Gettysburg, the Southern Army uh, enslaved around 1,000 African Americans from the area that was leading up into the battle. Mm. We don't see that in... Uh, those were free African-Americans, uh, but the South was not caring at that point, and they were just taking anyone they could. We don't see that, and that would have been mm-hmm. such a powerful thing if we could have had that. Uh, there's also a scene in the extended version when there's an escaped slave. Now, this film tells the northern viewpoint, and it tells the southern viewpoint, 
And I really wish they would have spent a little more time on that escaped slave to get the African-American mm -hmm. viewpoint. So I'm not going to say this film couldn't be improved in that regard. It absolutely could. But for a 1993 film, mm, no, I, I consider this a pro-Northern film. Okay. Now, to be fair, I did not rewatch it and you did. I think what's coloring my thinking is the, the things that I remember out of the, this movie is ridiculous facial hair. And Martin oh, that's the Civil Lee. War. I know, it's I mean, the Civil you, War, but if, it's If you look at the Civil War beards, it's just like, wow, you guys. Yeah, like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> why that style? But uh, yeah, obviously, Martin Sheen, because Robert E. Lee has become a figure that is like so raised up, raised up as being, you know, such a noble gentleman who... You know, oh, he had to make a crucial decision of his country or his state, and he went with his state and cost him everything. But he was so good-hearted and underneath, and it's like, yeah, Robert E. Lee veneration is is always laid on so thick, and it's like, motherfucker, he was the head of West Point. He he helped murder kids he trained. I don't care. Bury your dead in his front yard that's what we did that's arlington national cemetery everyone if you didn't know that yeah so i think that's it and because it's martin sheen even though he's a big old lefty i know it's still like but he's so good at that and i do start to be like dude there's got to be a better way stop blowing each other up let black people vote god anyway yeah, anyway, okay. on the, I on the didn't film, rewatch, so I guess it's not fair. On the film, the spectacle side is literally something you cannot do today. I mean, you this would 100% be all CGI today. They would yeah. never get this many reenactors. But there is something worthwhile in having this many geeks being able to have their geek flag on full display. They're like, oh, man, I've spent five years getting my period accurate. Uh, uniform, and I get to be on screen for 1.5 seconds. Yeehaw! Yeah. I, I do admit I have a soft spot for old-timey tactics, like reading up, how did Napoleon do stuff? You send these guys here, and you send these guys there, and you do this and all that. It's like, yeah, looking at it like a big risk board, that stuff is kind of... it's Yeah, it's very, very, you know, esoteric, but also, it's like they've been doing that for centuries. It's just now we have cannons. But it's like, and then you put your cavalry here, and then he sends it, and then the thing opens up, and then you outflank him. It, there's a lot of that. I remember there being a lot of that. Yeah. And if you there like is that a lot sort of, of it. thing, go for it. That's why I think this is one of the best battle films ever made. If you don't want to see a battle and understand a battle, this is not your film because the, the name is Gettysburg. Okay. It's, it's about the Battle of Gettysburg. That's what it's about. You, you get what's on the tin. And yep. if you want a film about the Battle of Gettysburg, I don't know how you improve it. And I didn't. Nah. And I don't nah. think I would watch this for uh, all the money in the world. Patreon.com slash laser time. Prove me wrong. Can we make a hard pivot? Are we done with Gettysburg? Let's make a hard pivot into the dumb movies. Yes. <laughs> the dumb movies. Austin so Pendleton. Dumb. Sherman Helmsley, second Bill. Hulk Hogan in Mr. Nanny. <laughs> Kicking the shit out of Gettysburg this week. No Mary Poppins. But these kids aren't made of sugar and spice. I hope you 
hope your Blue Cross is paid up. I hate kids. Hulk Hogan is... Lovely to see you, Mr. Nanny. Finally, there's someone to look up to, too. Rated PG. Oh, like... <laughs> He's wearing a tutu. Okay, Every girl. fucking wrestler has had to remake this movie 1,100 times. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is awful. This, this, like, Hulk Hogan never made a good movie, ever. Is oh, that because well, no holds he just... No holds it, That movie is fantastic because it sucks every second. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> is it because he just doesn't have the charisma of, say, Arnold? I mean, if I pitch to you the idea of kindergarten cop, you're not going to want to see that movie, but Arnold made it work. Could Arnold have made Mr. Nanny? Yeah, Arnold's. it's just that Arnold's not a wrestler in the same qualities I compliment The Rock for. It works in action movies, but it doesn't work with real characters. And one of Hulk Hogan's greatest attributes is emoting with his face to where it reaches the bleachers. That looks so fucking stupid in every movie he's in. Oh, he's getting mad and shaking his head. And, oh, I'm having a seizure. I'm so mad. That looks ridiculous. It's in every one of these. It makes them very watchable, but this is like, I wouldn't go. I I didn't re-dive into Mr. Nanny, no. Um, I mean, it's not just that he is a big guy who is a nanny. It's that those kids are terrible. It's Home Alone versus a big guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope he reaches those kids. And also there's a subplot about stealing a microchip. It's 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 so what the fuck? So Why are we doing matter. that? Why? Why are we doing that? You want to talk about a movie? I have so many questions for. I think I just need to get them all out of my brain. I just need to go get a piece of paper and just write down all of my questions for the next movie. Yes, because this. I mean, ev- I have. How has there not been a murder in sixteen years? What do the cops do? Why do they call it murder death kill? What's wrong with Sandra Bullock's MDK. eyebrows? Are those the style of the time? <laughs> Why doesn't everyone else have eyebrows like that? So many questions. No questions for the seashells. All right. Uh, no I understand. <laughs> Dennis Leary, okay. Benjamin Brad, uh, Bob Gunton, Nigel Hawthorne, Sandra Bullock, Wesley Snipes, Sylvester Stallone. It's number to the box office. It is Demolition Man. In the year 2032, in a peaceful world, two mortal enemies from another time will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. I've been dreaming about killing you for 40 years. Keep dreaming. This display of barbaric behavior was unacceptable even in your time. Yeah, but it worked. Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Demolition Man. Starts Friday, October 8th at a theater near you. Oh my God. How I love Demolition Man so much. Wow. Is this is one of the best bad movies I've yes. seen in a long time? It's one of the best bad movies. And it, it is so, so stupid. Yes. It ah. starts with a man bungee jumping off of a helicopter. Always a and good they idea. Were, they were worried this would actually kill the stump man yeah. who did it. Yes. And they did it anyway. Okay. This starts out three years in the future. <laughs> and Los Angeles looks like it just went through the Battle of Stalingrad. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that the entire Hollywood sign is on fire. Like that wouldn't burn in it's like two so minutes. <laughs> awesome. Everything in this movie is an awesome, like Golem Gottlieb wet dream. It is it is it is if anything, it's 
the 80s manifest in a hyper-budgeted, huge action movie. And that's what I'll always love about it. The helicopter scene in particular, like, I, I was just riding down, like, I'm going to bungee jump out of the helicopter. I, I'm attaching, like, no, it's okay, we already lowered the helicopter. You did not need to do that at all. But, like, <laughs> as long as it took for you to hook this up, we just lowered the helicopter. This is always a possibility. Uh, th- this movie is, don't question it, it is defiantly dumb, Wonderful! It makes me still makes me giggle in all the right it, like in all the right places. I love this movie. All right, well, it's so, great. Yeah, fully explained. So yes, it starts with a massive action oh, set sorry, piece yes. that fully blows up a real building. Gigantic, dangerous. The Los explosion. Angeles City of Water Department and MTV held a contest and I think an hour long special where they got to show you it, they didn't just blow it up they blew it up cinematically extra mm-hmm. debris they made it look badass it was not it was yeah. not one of those uh controlled implosions i'm a city comptroller and i don't want any damage here make more damage yes it, yeah. it looks awesome and, and that has like nothing to do with anything that nope. is just an excuse to uh introduce us to this idea that there are now cyber prisons which I get so many questions like, okay, so it's not for rehabilitation. It's not for punishment though. No, if it's you for just, rehabilitation. Just they are programming subliminal changes in you. It right. just takes about a hundred years or something like that. Right. So, so Wesley Snipes playing Jack Nicholson's the Joker. <laughs> gleefully having fun as a bad guy. So loved it. good. Fra- frames uh super cop sylvester stallone they're both put in this cryo prison uh naked and filled with ky jelly and then 40 which years was at planet future. hollywood yes Did you guys i've seen pictures i've seen pictures i never saw it in person and i was always hoping to go to some planet hollywood that had frozen naked sylvester stallone <laughs> but it's never happened right so 40 whole years in the future with okay here's like my number one problem with this movie but 40 years in the future uh wesley snipes is getting thought out to get paroled but turns out someone has programmed his brain to come to the future to be a super assassin of just dennis leary yes and uh but then they thought sylvester stallone because like you caught that guy before you can catch him again and then it's just all brave new world riffs for a while and 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 hilarious right. I, metaverse Arnold Schwarze- your... uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in oh. um, so yeah, we'll fun. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get. To that. Would all of your complaints go bye bye if instead of forty years in the future it was set a hundred years in the future? Yes, probably. Yes. yes. See, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say yes. they change too fast. I mean, because forty years in the future, you're still going to have sixty year old people who were twenty years old in the big bad nineties. They will not but have if you're forgotten years in the future. That Taco you know, Bell is the only restaurant. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that's my headcanon. I'm ignoring that it's 2032. I'm just saying this is 100 years in the future. Fine. And then it just works so much better. Yeah, it's 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 really fixes this thing. But it seems like it's only 40 years in the future because there's a drop subplot about Sylvester Stallone's daughter being all grown up, which they cut most of. But there's still a couple references to and totally sets you up to think that Sandra Bullock, his love interest is really his daughter. That's my but biggest they don't beef. Go there. They I don't, saw they this. Don't go there. I saw this in there. the theater, and I swear I saw her boobies in the theater. Uh huh. No. I I know. I know. It's not in any cut, and I I remember them so specifically. I don't think they were hers. It was just a flash of someone else's in the sex machine. But because right. uh, yeah, in the sex machine in the future, you don't 
exchange fluids, not yes. even mouth fluids. I know, but they flashed <laughs> to it in the movie. I was there. I saw it. It was one of the first movies I was able to see nudity in without my parents' permission. It's very vivid for me. Uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. Yeah. But, but it, it, yeah. it, at its core, it is it is the best cop and the best villain squaring off with no help from anyone. That's kind of a cool premise in a, in a land where there's no one equipped well, to help either of them. Both utter fish out of waters, mm-hmm. which is always entertaining. They don't know what's going on. Again, 100 years in the future would have been so much better. But as it, it stands, it's such an amazing projection of the future for 1993, okay? Because mm-hmm. there are so many aspects of it where it's like, well, like, if I squint, I can kind of recognize that as I mean, today. it looks kind of like L.A. now. <laughs> well, it kind of looks like the L.A. Convention Center most of the there time. That's where they're <laughs> filming. <laughs> totally right. Like, they drove by that exit, or Exhibit Hall C sign like four times. <laughs> like, I know exactly where you are. Uh, yeah, obviously, there's a lot of, like, goofy satire in there, which you could say is making fun of, you know, I guess you could say PC culture, whatever the, the idea that like anything that is bad for you is just automatically illegal, you know? So it's making fun yeah. of the like, Oh, you just want to eat organic and blah, 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 blah. This, you can't drink that. Oh, soda's bad for you. Well, and the, here's the debate another between thing. control and freedom is like literally as old as human sub- yeah, civilization. Like, and, you like know? I said, so much of it is brave new world. I mean, Sandra Bullock's character's last name is literally Huxley. I see what they're going with this the idea that everyone is very, very controlled. The, the society is controlled. People, I did. But they, I did. Don't, they don't have a drug or anything that explains why people's emotions are so tamped down. It's it's written well, by. We don't uh, know that. We don't know that there's not a drug. Its yeah, main credited screenwriter that. is Heather's uh, screenwriter, Daniel Waters, and he says, "I didn't mean anything by. I wasn't trying to make some grand statement on PC culture. I was just trying to be yeah. silly." Yeah. Oh, and it is. It is very, very silly. Very silly. And you know, I love. Yeah. They, Intentionally they, so. Yeah, the the concept cars are fun, and yeah, the idea. I do really love that moment where Stallone is like, "Yeah, there's no toilet paper. There's just three seashells." And like, finally, most of the movie is him laughing at like there's crazy culture, and that's a nice moment of them being able to, like, "You used to use wadded up paper." Yeah, <laughs> he gross. doesn't even know what the shells are for. <laughs> so, I looked this up, and to solve it for all time. What right. happens is two of the shells go up your rectal canal, what? pull it apart, no. and the third one comes in and scoops out everything so you don't even have to push. That's no. what they do. That is, no, yes. that is, no, that doesn't make any sense to me because they appear to be communal shells that everyone uses. Well, they clean themselves after they're done because it's the I future. Don't, they're alive. I they're, they're alive shells oh, forced to clean it. rectums. Oh, or they really see, love now, rectums. Now, the idea of scraping... To clean, uh, okay, I can follow that, but I I love just the idea, yeah, that there's three of them. Just makes it even more confusing. If it was just one, I would feel like I'd understand. Yeah, just two, a, maybe. one one mollusk that sucks your shit out. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love how yes, it's just inexplicable, and they're like, yeah, we use three seashells, obviously. What? Uh, I believe that's credited to Larry Karaszewski of Ed Wood fame, yeah. because he. He, the screenwriter called him and he was in his taking a shit and he was looking around in his bathroom at useless decorative stuff and saw a bag full of seashells. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But is, is okay. this Sorry. the birth of Sandra Bullock's, the movie star? Yeah. She was a last minute not addition, almost. I believe. 
Yeah, almost. I mean, this is a really big part for her. She doesn't hit as a star yet. Uh, I think we still close. have YU sleeping and, and speed, and that cements it. But yeah. yeah, this is her introduction to a lot of people. And she's such a great character because she loves the dirty 20th century, and she <laughs> loves all those old uh, 20th century action films, so she's a perfect window for Sylvester Stallone to bump off of, but she gets so many things wrong, hence her line, let's blow these guys! <laughs> and he goes, let's blow these guys away. Blow these guys away. So much as we make it, like, the bad guys plant, look, there has not been a murder in what is now San Angeles, which runs from San Diego to Santa Barbara. There hasn't been a murder in 16 years. The cops are all very confused and they don't know what to do when there is a murder. And there's this technology where everyone's got like a chip in them and it tells them, hey, that guy just died over there and it appears to be a murder. And then that disappears for like the rest of the movie. But it's a fun scene of them just all standing around the police department looking at all the security cameras. This guys get murdered and they're just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> what? Why would he do that? Why would you kill another person? But also does explain like, what do the cops do? Why are there so Rescue many of them? Cats. Yeah, that's I stuff guess? like that. There's there's actually an article that you can look online. It's uh, crime rates so low in Japan that cops are having to work to find stuff to do. They direct yeah. traffic. Um, they help hang up Christmas lights. That's what I saw. Yeah. Okay. But but then okay. So the bad guy's plan is. I want to murder this resistance leader who says he's not a resistance leader and we don't really see him doing much resistance leading except stealing some food and graffitiing. Because the mere idea that anyone doesn't want to accept the benevolent leader's totalitarian worldview is a threat to the totalitarian worldview. Right. That's so, why he wants him eliminated. I would think propaganda and actually using the police force you have would be good enough for that. But no, we should unthaw a psychopath, program <laughs> him to go get that guy, and then help go get that one guy, just the one, not all the other people in the underground, just the one guy. No, no, because so he'll dumb. create more chaos, which will give the totalitarian ruler more control because people will be frightened of this escape convict and they'll be like oh look at that bad old ways thank goodness we have the new ways of our benevolent leader we should follow him even more so now i don't think he even thought that far out though i think he just uh wants to he just wants an assassin so he finds someone who has killing experience and then rather predictably thinks oh i can control this extremist and fails Fails horribly. The extremist always turns on you. Republican Party. <laughs> German Chancellery in 1933. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's dumb and weird. It's a dumb, weird plan. It's a dumb, weird movie. I enjoyed the crap yeah. out of it. It is. No one here is saying this is a smart movie for smart people. This is a, I just got home. I'm drunk. I want to be awake for two more hours. Demolition Man, ladies and gentlemen. Also, can I just point out, more expensive than Jurassic Park. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is the level of spectacle. We got gigantic sets. We've got a ton of prototype cars. Yeah. We're location shooting in Los Angeles. It's, it day. looks expensive, and that's what I that's what I love about it. It's like uh, Terminator Two was a huge hit. The eighties is still going, baby. Let's get sliced a lot. He turns it down a number of times. Uh, it gets it just the budget balloons and the merchandising blitz was hilarious. 
and stalled, yep. but it still ended up becoming, I think, adjusted for inflation. If not Sylvester Stallone's comeback as a box office star, one of his biggest, most lucrative uh, box offices of his career. It does well, but it's so expensive. It's probably mm -hmm. about $80 million and made about double that. So it's just lightly turning a profit. It's that just point. domestically and without the home video market and the home video market this did much better. But yeah, I, I do also love the, yeah, not only the idea that all restaurants are now Taco Bell because Taco <laughs> Bell won some sort of war. But then when like the benevolent leader invites them to dine with him at Taco Bell, they're like, ooh, Taco Bell. Mm. It's like, no, no, you should be eating there every day because it's the only restaurant. Why are you acting like it's a fancy restaurant? And it's it's well, the only level, restaurant. There's levels of Taco Bells. That's right. All I, restaurants see, that's are what Taco I thought. Bell. They only bring it's out like the Enchiritos after 7 p.m. Do we yeah. want to play the Taco Bell commercial? Taco Bell, uh, heavily advertised Taco Bell. It's great. Again, with the Bram Stoker's Dracula music, too. The city, Los Angeles. The movie, Demolition Man. The restaurant. Now, all restaurants are Taco Bell. Exactamundo. The demo deal. Buy a burrito supreme. Nachos. And a large drink for one low price. How much? And get an official Demolition Man movie poster. Absolutely. Yes! I'm impressed. The supply is limited. The conclusion, get to Taco Bell today. Yes. Oh, good. Good. And we should point out, I meant to look this up. In other territories, they change it to Pizza Hut. There was, I just remember, there was some early film form where someone made a joke about Taco Bell. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And you can't tell someone's from England. Like, it's not Taco Bell, it's Pizza Hut. And like, you got a totally different version of the restaurant. Yet, uh, Pepsi-Cola yum product nonetheless. I, I know the screenwriter says he wasn't trying to make any big comment. But if you listen to Dennis Leary's rant, I, I think he is trying to say something. Oh, my. I I can't even listen to this. Because the when Dennis Leary shows up and he's leader of the underground, I'm like, oh, okay. And then when he just starts doing part he's, of No Cure for Cancer, yeah, I'm like, fuck you, I get this movie. confused with Judgment Night a lot. Because he does, like, a pretty decent performance in both. And then, like... All right, now just do the thing we hired you because of. And he just does his MTV uh, No Cure for Cancer rants. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke a Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay? It is the, it is the <laughs> extended version of the asshole song <laughs> right there. I want to park in handicapped spaces while handicapped people make handicapped faces. He's an asshole. So embarrassing. Ah, it's fun. It's fun. It's one of the things that makes the movie a, a nice little time capsule of uh, 1993. <sighs> so dumb. I love Demolition Man. Can't recommend it enough. Greg was on yeah. our, our Video Game Apocalypse saying how the Genesis game is amazing and one of an uns <laughs> unsung beauty. Uh, I like the 3DO game, which stars Stallone and Wesley Snipes, and you can have them Mortal Kombat fight each other in addition to shooting. <laughs> Uh, elements demolition man was not it was I, it was interesting i saw a roger ebert quote of like he was interviewed and like why did why, why was last action hero a bomb and this is success because yeah. they both made the same amount of money and uh 
he was just like, uh, one was Arnold on a streak, and this is Stallone recovering from a slump. That's it. <laughs> That's then it. Could you have made Demolition Man with Arnold? Yes. I think yeah. I think there's a high probability they almost did. Yeah, I I think you could swap those uh, those actors and it, and it still works because they both have you know the the sort of the same rep- persona. Yeah, Stallone turned it down a bunch, yeah. and Lori Petty was the person. She was Eric Stoltz. She was fired after a few weeks ah. of production. Weird, oh, weird to think of her as a more recognizable person on screen than Sandra Bullock, but that's where we were in 1993. Uh, this is true. And yeah, we do have to mention uh, President Schwarzenegger yes. because of the 61st <laughs> Amendment. They got through amendments really fast, guys. Well, they obviously have some sort of societal collapse in this universe yeah. after 1996. You know, again, right. Los Angeles is a war zone. Things fall apart. So they're just passing them left and right. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I guess if your quorum at, at Congress is like six guys now, so... Sure. All right. All right. Uh, All right. We got to move on. What's Demolition this, Man, highest recommend. Television of 1993, uh, October 6th through um, the 12th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. One of the most batshit Simpsons episodes of its era, Cape Fear. Yes. Ugh. Yes. Just, this was made just for me. This is one of those moments I'm watching TV holding my face going, they just made this for me. I, yeah, they I don't, use the Bernstein music. They're using the same shots. I'm I don't, so happy. Simpsons had a lot of plots that were homages to things, but outside of Treehouse of Horror, I don't know of anything encompassing an entire, a parody that encompasses an entire episode. And it's a very clever way to work Sideshow Bob back in now that the whole world has seen Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear, which used a lot of the same music and, it's it is not the same music, but it's a sound alike. It's very close. It's very very close. This uh, is such an end of an era episode because this is the last episode with the original writing team mm. and wow. like eight writers quit or something ridiculous like that. And I can just imagine in 1993, you're like, well, this is our fifth season of The Simpsons. This will be it. We, we, we've reached syndication numbers. Let's just go but crazy. Also, and also who, like, I mean, who all care- we got is this weird redhead lanky guy from Harvard, and he's not going to write anything good for us. Uh, so. <laughs> but they, I, I feel like they also don't care if they break it, because I think if every episode yeah. of this season was like this, people would, would have complained. I didn't love it at the time because I didn't have any knowledge of Cape Fear. It's like, what the fuck uh. is this? Okay, uh, <laughs> this, I had zero knowledge of Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. I laugh my ass off at yeah. almost every moment of I this. I think in, he's in talking my opinion, to you. <laughs> this may be the funniest scene in Simpsons history. Hey, kids, want to drive through that cactus patch? Yeah! Yeah! No! Whoop, two against one. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is strapped underneath the car. Uh, And then there's the rake scene. The rake scene. scene 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 (laughs) 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 I don't. Fuck Beavis and Butthead. At some point, I was like, I just want to see if this really happens. Step on a rake, flies in your face. Yes, it does, and it hurt like shit. It was it was one of the most painful things I've ever done to myself. Don't yep. do it, kids. Adults do it all day. And yep. 
I I unintentionally did that once and just missed my face. Oh, but nailed so myself bad. in the right shoulder. In the it was had that moment of like, oh my god, it's real. It's real, baby. Yeah, the rake scene is like the epitome of something that's like it's funny and then it goes on so long it stops being funny and then it keeps going so it's funny again. Yep. It's yep. just one joke over and over. Not unlike uh, Bart, you want to see my chainsaw and hockey mask. <laughs> so can't even read at that speed. Going. This is also great, right down to the HMS Penafore doing the whole thing. Oh my god. Yes. His, oh, his last request. <laughs> well, there is one, but. Nah. No, go on. Well. You have such a beautiful voice. Guilty as charged. Uh-huh. Anyway, I was wondering if you could sing the entire score of the HMS Pinafore. Very well, Bart. I shall send you to heaven before I send you to hell. And a two, and a three, and we sail the ocean. All right, I can't play the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's there on the YouTubes and the Disney Plus and the Hulus if you want to see this. Ep- it's such a good episode. How many people don't know that that's a real comic opera and two acts from 1878? I mean, I do, I do, having done a Simpsons show, but like, yeah, no, I'm totally unaware of it. Yep. Unbelievable. I, and, and I it, feel it, like that there's thousands, millions of people who've never heard of Gilbert and Sullivan who one day, like, wait, that was, that was real. They didn't make that up. And if not, like, no, the, why would they make that up? If not for that cursed fucking Frasier reboot, Kelsey Grammer would have been playing Sideshow Bog for longer than he played Frasier Crane. But, yeah, broke that record once again. Uh, also this week in uh, Comedy Nerd News, Saturday Night Live uh, with uh, your host, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I did look Seek out the monologue, because it's talking about Jurassic Park. It's pretty. It's a lame joke of everyone asking if the dinosaurs are real. But the people who are asking are not people I recognize at the time. Sarah Silverman, Jim Downey, Tom Davis, Norm MacDonald, Dave Attell, and then Laura Dern pops up. And I, I don't know what the, when the first time somebody appears, a celebrity appears in the audience, but this is the first time I remember it. But it is, it's Sarah Silverman and Jay Moore's first episode as cast members uh, this year. And uh, that... Blink and you'll miss Sarah Silverman because I feel like she did a great job given like how much she had. She had an update piece like right away, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, in this update, she uh, mentions a not wise decision on the part of Ukraine's part. Uh, Sarah, did anything else happen this week? Uh, yeah, oh, well, I pierced my boyfriend's ear and uh, Ukraine agreed to disarm all its nuclear weapons. That's it. Oh, no. Hi, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, Sarah. That's why she didn't get another season. I think she was on for another year. Uh, but anyway, moving into 1993 video games, October 6th to the 12th, Last Action Hero for Game Boy <laughs> arrives oh. very late to just steal Demolition Man's oh, Thunder. No. This is going to happen because it was released on every platform, and we're going to get all these last action hero games over the next month or two and it's going to be like wow missed the boat guys. little late little late i'm confused about this because this is one of my favorite things in the history of video game licensing the real ghostbusters aka mickey mouse 4 uh aka garfield labyrinth comes out on game boy i yeah. bu- this so- is the bugs bunny crazy castle series mm-hmm. but because of but- territorial licensing they've reskinned it 
the same game series has been Ghostbusters, Mickey, Roger Rabbit, Garfield, and Bugs Bunny as well. And it has nothing to do with the real Ghostbusters. It has nothing to do with any of these things. (laughs) And it's like, this doesn't even fit. The Ghostbusters don't do any of these things. They climb ladders sometimes. (laughs) That (laughs) second movie. Uh, but, But, oh, very consistent. The Punisher for arcades. Just an excellent game. This was my white whale of mm-hmm. arcade games because I was a huge Marvel fan. I loved their Avengers arcade game. The only place I ever saw this was at the Disney World Contemporary Result Resort Arcade. And I went there and I was like playing it. And uh, the very first time I ever tried to pick up on some random girl was at the Punisher arcade game at the Contemporary wow. Resort. You were so- and I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out she was married. <laughs> and I was like 15. <laughs> and at 15, I guess I didn't think to ask to look for a ring at that point because she mm. just looked like a young girl to me, but Meanwhile, you're probably like her, like eyes wide shut memory. The guy that almost she almost lost, <laughs> threw away everything over. The little kid at the Punisher arcade machine. A very good game, uh, very violent, playable. Nick Fury. Uh, that didn't matter at the time, but it does now. Uh, Virtua Fighter arcade is also out this week. Holy shit! Like uh, the first big polygonal fighting game that there that I ever saw. Maybe it existed somewhere else in some prototype, but Virtua Fighter looked insane. What, what does Virtua mean? It was a, uh, I think it was, it was a failed. What do you call it? Uh, something Sega was assigning its 3D line of stuff. There was Virtua Racing uh. and Virtua Fighter, and it kind of died out after that. But uh, yeah, it was just Sega using 3D technology in arcades, and Virtua Fighter. Virtua Fighter's name stuck around for probably longer than it should. But uh, yeah, because remember, 3D modeling, the nation's awareness of that was boosted by Lawnmower Man. So to put like virtual in the title, like, oh man, this is not your daddy's video game. This is virtual reality. Jurassic Park is out for PC. JR, any information on this? This may be the worst Jurassic Park video game of all time. Whoa. It's a tough competition, but it's in the discussion. And I love that they're all coming out in the compilation, and I'm excited, yet knowing a compilation of the worst licensed games ever made isn't that exciting, but just that they get to re-exist, hell yeah. Uh, Railroad but Tycoon. who is that for? Who uh, is this like, oh, I really want to play that really crappy video game? I think I think you're, you might be underestimating, like, in that world, not only were there fewer games, kids had fewer choices, and you spent a lot of time in these games, and the idea that you could never play them without hooking up a CRT television, <sighs> now you can't. I, I guess. I had Mickey's Mouse Capades, Oof. and Oof. I played that a lot. One of the worst I'm games not ever. not buying the never. Mickey Mouse Capades never. compilation. Oh, ever. that every time, it, sometimes I wake up with that music in my head, and I'm angry. <laughs> uh, Railroad Tycoon Deluxe is also out on PC this week. Who cares? It's a deluxe. The big thing for me was Star Wars Rebel Assault for a PC. And I didn't touch it until years later. But I didn't know it was it first it first new Star Wars live action footage in eight years. Courtesy of Lucasfilm with a lot of the original suits and props. And I didn't 
eight years? This is the first time they film anything Star Wars? There's not even like a fucking Super Bowl commercial? I, as far as I can tell, no, I, I think this is the first live action footage of Star Wars. I don't know Ooh, if Rebel actually, Assault 1 no, and 2... I take that back. I, I take that back because there is the... Ewok movies? Uh, ride at Disneyland. So True. that would have been newer. Okay. But commercially available. Um, yeah. It was a big deal because like being able to do that in a video game is new technology to begin with. So holy shit! I, that's why I played so much of these games because it felt like new Star Wars. And, yeah, and it was uh, my first CD-ROM game. I yeah. mean, this was like the future, man. And it's so much information you need a CD to hold it. They are <laughs> awful. They are Tim and Eric sketches <laughs> with some gameplay in them. I didn't expect to find the likes of you here. How'd you end up on Imdar? After the Battle of Yavin, I was assigned here to monitor Imperial activity. I knew there was something fishy going on, but it was only recently that I got word of the Phantom Fighters. Now, I think I... Why do we ever like this? God. Uh... Did she say Battle of Yavin? I th- <laughs> it, was, it was Yavin. Once I saw Phantom pop up, I'm like, are they trying to tie this in? Okay. Here, no, too early. Here's here's uh, a weird one for me, given where I was in uh, northern Florida. Books. I become aware of Howard Stern for the first time as, how, uh, as Howard Stern's <laughs> private parts uh, comes out and becomes the fastest-selling book in Simon, Simon & Schuster history. That, that you had not even heard controversy about this guy... Okay, I, I, that you hadn't heard the guy is one thing, but that you hadn't heard I think people you're talking right. about him kind of shocks me. I, I was a kid, granted, and I like how much am I listening to morning radio? He mm-hmm. wasn't syndicated in our market, and all of a sudden he's popping up on everything I like, telling everyone he's the king of all media. Very confident. It was so bizarre. Even more bizarre, I ended up reading the book. <laughs> wow. I ended up reading the yeah. book. I read both his books before I ever heard a second of his radio show because my friend's <laughs> brother had them and it was just sitting on the table and like there's almost nudity in this book and a bunch of <laughs> gross stories. It it was a real fun read. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it fastest selling book in Simon & Schuster history. It, it, he barely beat out who? Um, inter- Rush Limbaugh. The power of radio 30 years ago. No, no, no. Not 100 years ago. 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years ago. Yeah, and this is, a, what, a couple million copies, I think? Half a million Pushing copies million. in the first week. Oof. Yeah, so there's, uh, you know, one for every 300 households in America. Like it's, it's pretty nuts. I mean, I, I'm aware yeah. of his, his, his the reach of his radio show, but it's just like, it is very weird to feel left out of whatever that was. And now, now I have a better perspective on it. Hooray for Howard, all that stuff. But I just was not there. I mean, Jr. Did, was he in your town? You had anywhere? No, no, I was not aware of him at all. And it was on. It was oh. every talk show all over MTV, all over, uh, all over SNL. Like, yeah. And then even my favorite late night movie host, Rhonda Shear, got to give it a little review. I'm Rhonda Shear, and I am president of the Bimbo Book Society, and it wasn't easy getting elected either. I had to run against some girl named uh, Uncontested. <laughs> Weird name, huh? Oh, First off, I'd like to say hello to my favorite author. Unfortunately, Sidney Sheldon couldn't be here, so I'm going to talk about Howard's book instead. 
Now, as you know... Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I try... I try are you, to are you, are you serious over there? I'm Old footage of Howard Stern is so silly. And, and it, maybe it's just because, like, I didn't know who he was. Like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> this overly confident, filthy man. Uh, anyway, moving on to music of 1993. We'll close out the segment here. Got some new releases such as Painful by Yola Tango, So Tonight That I Must See by Mazzy Starr, Titanic Days by uh, Christy uh, McCoyle, uh, A Bigger Piece of the Sky by Robert Earl Keane, Everything Changes by Take That, Self-Titled Album by Tender Sticks, Verses by Pearl Jam, Code Red by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Come On Feel the Lemonheads by um, the Lemonheads, interesting. Uh, hey Man, Smell My Finger by George Clinton, Take Me As I Am by Faith Hill, T-I-M-E by Leaders of the New School, and Very Necessary by Salt and Pepper, as well as Angst by KMFDM. We're going to close out with Fade Into You by Mazzy Star, because the song really brings the feels in the Starship Trooper soundtrack. It, <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, did, I saw an article from 2013 calling, calling this one of the most overused songs on especially young adult television. Yes. I have a if friend you, who... If you want to bring the feels, you bring in this song. I have a friend who, after a couple drinks, you can make him cry on cue by throwing this song on. It is still hilarious, and we still do it to him. I don't know how much of it is an act, but it's always entertaining. Hope he's listening to this. Fade Into You by Madison Star will take us out. But stay right there. There's more 30 when we get back. like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste the 1980s were the golden age of mean hard r comedies I think I was remembering my sanitized commercial television viewings because, like, Beverly D'Angelo's naked for, like, no I, reason, and I totally forgot I about that. I had forgotten all about that because yeah. th- that shocked me, too. I was like, wait a minute. she We see her boobies a couple of times. I don't remember that. This might be a fact. This is the fourth National Lampoon movie? I yes. was shocked to find that out because there's two I have never seen or heard of it, between Animal yeah, House. Two that are kind of lost. One of them's called uh, National Lampoon Goes to the Movies. And Class then, Reunion. Mm, Class Reunion. Yeah, that's right. I think this is the last movie that where it's clearly defined. Like, Harold Ramis is involved in this in some way. Like, we have some DNA of people who yeah. worked at National Lampoon Magazine. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of like anything goes. Now well, it's kind it, of like stoner frat comedies, but not always. They, it's really they, the company doesn't exist, and they sold the I name. Think- to put on shitty movies that are like already being made, I believe. And they just, they'll affix the National Lampoon's, I guess the R is for the the magazine's reputation itself. It was pretty Hmm. fucking edgy for for its time. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Like 
Coming in with Luda, Ludacris, stand up uh, off of Chicken and Beer. Maybe it's out this week. T- 20 years ago. Welcome to 2003, October 6th to 12th. Other new music releases include uh, In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth by Coheed and Cambria. Later That Day by Lyrics Born. The Lemon of Pink by The Books. Lose Control by Hey Mercedes. The Room's Too Cold by Early November. Seasons by Seven Dust. Shadow Zone by Static X. Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. West Coast Anostra by uh, Booyah Tribe. 12 Memories by Travis. Dear Catastrophe Waitress by Bell and Sebastian. All I Want for Christmas is a Real Good Tan by Kenny Chesney. <laughs> Birth of a Prince by The Rizza. And Kaleidoscope by Living Color. Uh, Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul is number one. Woo! All right, everybody. Get ready. Brace yourself. Again, exciting time to be alive in 2003. Uh- what a time this was to be in California. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. I just. month was nuts. Exactly. A recall election. Governor Gray Davis loses, and actor Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes Gubna of uh, California. And here's a little bit of his victory speech. God, I hope it's someone doing an impression better than mine. I will reach out to Republicans, to Democrats and Independents, to those who supported the recall and those who did not, those who supported me today and those who did not. I want to reach out to everybody, to young and old, rich and poor, people of all religions, all colors, and all nationalities. I want to be the governor for the people. I want to represent everybody. Yeah, uh, and I wasn't living in California, so I have no idea what it's like living under his thumb. <laughs> okay, so... Gray Davis was elected in 1998. He was the first Democrat in 16 years to be governor of California. Mm-hmm. We're so fucking leftist that we haven't had a Democrat in a long time. And we managed to pick the single most boring guy. I don't usually believe in nominative determinism, but that man was great in every <laughs> possible way. Uh. He was reelected in 2002 which was weird because a lot of people's problems with him go back to 2001 and some in 2002, the, the energy crisis that we had, the whole Enron I thing. Just watch the Enron documentary on YouTube for some reason. Those motherfuckers. Those motherfuckers. They mm-hmm. fucked us over. So the recall was mostly led by Daryl Issa, who is a Republican congressman who's kind of a piece of shit here. And he... It seemed like he really wanted the job. Like that was, he put a ton of money into it. And he wasn't Arnold. He doesn't have Arnold's money. (laughs) But yeah, we have this weird thing where you can have a recall election and at the same time vote for who is going to be the new guy. You would think it would just go to the lieutenant governor, who is Cruz Bustamante, Mm. who spoke at my college graduation. Um, Instead, Everyone got into the race. There was hundred and something people on the ballot, including porn star Mary Carey and I believe Gary Coleman. Yes. Um, it, it, yeah, it was just nuts. And Daryl Issa's uh, worst dreams came true in that, oh, look, a popular Republican, a socially liberal fiscal conservative Republican. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in and yeah, he's our last Republican governor so far, but he's also like not. A MAGA-style Republican? Oh, yeah. Or I, I, I hate to say this. Republican. I, I'd set Bernie Sanders on fire to create 100 more Republicans in office like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. he's he, he definitely understood that he had to be a centrist. Or at and, least and a, he was. A, an openly kind person. Yeah. 
or just like <laughs> willing to work. I want to be everybody's buddy. Let's all get along. Let's all oh. do stuff. And yeah, I I'm the same. Like if I could have a hundred more Arnold's right now, I don't know what I'd do. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it was a clusterfuck. It was just such a fucking sideshow, and he just eked out the win. Forty eight point six percent of the vote because there were so many people on the ballot. <laughs> it was. It was all so dumb, but also like Gray Davis kind of sucked on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like we had a lot of budget problems at the time. And he was also very centrist. So, yeah. Great. Great. Very. And then also this week, Nobel Peace Prize is awarded to uh, Shirin uh, Abadi for women and children's rights in Iran. Iran. Mm. Yep. Yeah. She's a crusading lawyer lady. She's cool. And this week, uh, please... Let me welcome new couple, American Pies, How I Met Your Mothers. What did I just watch? Jack-O-Lantern competition on HBO Max. Allison Hannigan <laughs> marries Angels, Alex Dezinoff, and they are still together. There was some good oh, out of the Whedonverse. Buffy fans were so happy. It was like, ah, our favorite characters are marrying each other. Yay. Yay. And, um, and this is silly, but I do like my tech news. Anticipating I, uh, Apple's iTunes, which currently is only on Mac 20 years ago, where you can buy music for 99 cents. Napster is relaunched in an unrecognizable, legit, and paid format by CD-burning software <laughs> group Roxio, not to be confused <laughs> with the Angry Birds people. I just think that's hilarious. The The idea of like taking... I never looked at Napster after it wasn't Napster again, but it's sort of like... If you named your public library Chat GPT, like we all know, this isn't what it's a, what it is. <laughs> this is the thing that almost killed you, music music retailers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Napster is still not quite gone away, despite going away in two thousand two. What on earth what does Napster.com look like right now? I'm I'm gonna go see. Go for it. What was oh, thirty days free, and then it's ten ninety nine a month. Cancel any time. What was the okay. appeal? But, but who? Who listeners? Who? <laughs> Gosh, now I'm picturing a world where Napster became Spotify, but it would never happen because it was called Napster and the music industry would never cut deals with anything with the word Napster in it the way they would with Spotify. Yeah, I think I think it. they weren't thinking of it like that. They were thinking of, and if you can remember the time, everybody's laptop and car having a Napster logo on it, like, and Napster is now bankrupt due to lawsuits and having a fire sale and really selling everything it has, including its name to anyone who will help them out, climb out of this bankruptcy hole. And yeah, you can own the leading brand in what would you call it? Music downloading yeah. <laughs> and put it on your Stealing. paid service. Yeah. yeah. Trading. Stre trading. Streaming music Stealing. in 2003 makes no sense. You, there's no streaming music. Everything is way too slow. It's true. You download it so you can listen to it on an iPod or something like that. Your Zoom's coming soon, I assume. Your Roxio H1, just, I don't know. I can't even improv. Just on your computer while you're doing schoolwork. It's or true. Playing uh, The Sims or something. It's, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even remember PC users not having access to that, but they did yeah. not at this point. And this was uh, their big shot at getting ahead. Let's move on to movies of 20 years ago. 2003, October 6th to 12th. Woo! Yeah! Man, a really, really fun, wonderfully cheap fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzie Davis, Bruce Campbell, 
Don Coscarelli, is that his name? The guy who made Phantasm brings us Bubba Hotep to the screen. Oh, this is exactly what I want from a low-budget movie. This is interesting characters, goofy setup, bizarre payoff, costs about eight bucks, with eight actually like really moving good performance hiding in there. Yeah. This is everything I want. Yes. Is is it about Elvis? who is still alive because he traded places with an Elvis impersonator mm-hmm. in a retirement home, nursing home, teaming up with a guy who thinks he's JFK. He says they put him back together and dyed him black and then dumped him in the nursing home. So no one would look for him. What do you believe one and not the other? <laughs> they mm. made me this color. That it's Aussie fucking Davis, who, who is an acting and civil rights legend, just standing there in his nursing home room. That's supposed to look sort of like the white house. they dyed me this color who is the same age jfk would have been in this movie okay yeah Yeah. born in the same year and then a a all right this this is a a zombie cowboy attacks them yeah so this is a movie (laughs) with zombie cowboys so my question is are these two deluded old men or is this actually jfk and elvis because People need to know. I the think the entire theme of the film changes depending upon your interpretation. I don't know that it does because at no I'm, point I'm at, kidding, it doesn't. At, yeah, at no point. <laughs> it's just it is who who it doesn't matter who they are. They are dealing with the same effects of aging and helplessness in the face of this mummy come to life. Whatever, it, like it, it's so silly and and but taken so seriously with great performances. Yeah. It's so it, it's an interesting thing to cover, though, because think of how many movies we cover on this show. Mm-hmm. How many of them are the protagonist elderly? Yeah, yeah. It, Pixar's yeah. up. That's about all you. There's and it, there's always like one movie per year of an aging movie star group getting together for one last trip to Vegas or one last heist. That's kind of all you get. Right. It's just mm-hmm. that you know, old people are people. They yep. have stories. If I was old, I'd be like. Doesn't anyone want to tell me my story? And the answer is no. People do not like stories about old people. I I I would sit and let, talk talk to an Elvis impersonator as if he were Elvis because those are still going to be incredible stories of old old show busy oh. stories. Oh, but this was made at such the perfect time. I mean, this is like the peak of Elvis nostalgia because everyone who was a fan of him was still basically alive, but like. In the next couple of years, the Elvis fans are going to be dying off. Oh, yeah. And I do not think you could make this movie today because Elvis just isn't the draw the way he was uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, but you also don't have to be an Elvis fan. You can love the kitsch of Elvis. I mean, yeah. that's it plays into that. And yet Bruce Campbell gives like a truly wonderful performance, like talking about the frustration of his body breaking down. And it's like, I still want to get up and do this stuff. And I feel, uh, you know, I feel trapped i i feel disrespected i got a thing on my dick and they gotta <laughs> drain it and well, so, i feel humiliated and, and dehumanized i just want to get up and oh god damn it there's a mummy zombies coming this way uh all right gonna get him a little wheelchair and go get him it's so much the only thing that depresses me about it is Obviously, patreon.com slash laser time has a brand new series featuring Evil Dead, so we're all kind of smitten with Bruce Campbell right now. And at the time, we were all on we were on the Bruce Campbell bandwagon, right? Uh, 2003, and this is the only way he can get in a movie that's made, that's not a star in a movie? Uh, but the thing is, I was a huge Bruce Campbell fan in 2003. I had his book, If Chins Could Kill, 
and I still didn't see this movie. The, well, it was it was hard. You probably yeah. didn't have an opportunity because that's another the only one of the only reasons this movie sort of happened. It's like it costs half a million dollars. It is like one fortieth of the cost of the average comedy horror movie Hollywood makes. They promoted it like one one festival at a time, uh, selling mm-hmm. tickets like that. I think they said there were thirty prints of the movie in circulation. Period. Because that's all they had. That's how they wanted to do it. And they would pack those fucking houses. And they did it at the same time if Chins Could Kill was coming out. So wherever Bruce Campbell would go, he would promote the book on his tour and point people towards the screening of Bubba Hotep. And what made that really interesting is like once the the movie, the movie's uh, status was solidified before me and JR, maybe not Diana, could ever even see it. By the time we had access to it, it was a cult classic. It was period. That's it. We've read a billion reviews on the internet. We've seen the trailers and it came out on DVD. And it, I remember it was just odd. It hung in there on the, like the new release shelf next to all the big movies for a while. I bet it made a killing on DVD. I couldn't find those numbers, but uh, it is an absolutely charming movie that I was perfectly in the fucking mood for. And hopefully you will be too after going to patreon.com slash laser time and enjoying Elm Street Nightmare season four, all about evil dead, the series of evil dead. Yep. I'm surprised that now that we're in October, we don't have a lot of spooky season stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is barely, it's, I kind, I guess it's a horror movie technically, mm-hmm. but yeah, totally watchable and fair, not family friendly. I take that no, back. Not but even a little. <laughs> at least it's a movie. Yeah. This no, next I'm, one coming I out mean, they, for horror season is not a film. But it's really what? not family friendly. I, I want to stress that the opening sentence is something about pus on his old man dick. So it, it's yeah. not family friendly. Thinking about naming it after my first love, Scylla, and jerking off and popping it. Uh, yeah. So- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was thinking more in the terms of like gore and horror, but no, I take it all back. Yeah, the, the effects, K&B gave them effects all at cost as a favor. Like the, nice. every everything about this movie is one giant favor. Yeah, I love that. I love the like, let's get let's get the gang together and make this movie. Why? Because it's fun. It's funny. It's a funny idea. Yeah, Bubba Hotep. Total recommend. A much better thing to enjoy. I just want to back away from the mic now for the next one, though, because it's not a film. And so I don't have to talk about it. Yeah, this is utterly ridiculous. And it's the beginning of, you know, I miss him now that he's not around. Uwe Boll, but uh, Clint Howard, Ellie Cornell. Jurgen Prochnow, Tyron Lietzo, Onagrau, Jonathan Cherry, a bunch of people you'll never see again who aren't Clint Howard in House of the Dead, Uwe Boll's valiant attempt to turn C and B video game IP into, I think this is straight to video, isn't it? This hit some theaters. This this hit theaters. Okay. Yeah, it made money. Those poor people. Yeah. It is one of the silliest fucking movies I've ever seen. In that there is no house <laughs> in the House <laughs> of the Dead movie. And I'm sure you've heard about it. To drive up tension, Mr. Bull intercuts the movie with footage of the actual video game, which is the least... Like, my mom plays that game. It's the least scary game in the world. It is safe for children. It is in, It is in like, putt-putts all around the world. House of the Dead... Such a stupid decision. Mm. I mean, we are talking about PS1, PS2 graphics here, intercut with your Hollywood film. Not once, not twice, 
Diane, if you were to make a film and intercut it with clips, the video game that film is based on, how many times do you think is an appropriate amount? Well, zero. What about 26? What? 26 oh, times. It's so stupid. Uh, why? It is so dumb. I tried watching this at three times the normal speed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at my phone and I was still bored. This is horrible. Wow. And it's the first. This of... is the worst zombie fight I have seen in my life. Like, I, 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 I okay, there's like some schlock Z $10 films I've seen with worse zombies. But if you're talking about like you have a budget in the seven figures, this is by far the worst zombie fights I've seen in my life. It's. There was a long-standing rumor that Uwe Boll was making money producer style, like having his movies fail on purpose and collect some kind of tax break. But I think the reality was he was making Z-grade movies and optioning unoptionable video game IP, which people in my and Michael's business, we couldn't stop talking about these movies. Mm-hmm. Helping promote them, uh, in other words. Made Uwe Boll for nerds a household name. And these are Thoroughly unremarkable films across the board, elevated to new status by this IP. It's it's only brilliant because like, how can you afford this? How can you for even afford C grade IP with the, these movies? Look like they cost nothing, and this is this is probably the worst of them all because it's just it it's just no heart. Yeah. Doesn't have the feel of an independent uh independent movie. Has feel has the feel of something like shady and corporate and not recommended. Of, it's so interesting to compare it to Bubba Hotep, which is made yeah. for way less money by competent people. This movie feels like it hates me for even showing up. Yep. Like it is, it, it disrespects me. It doesn't think I deserve any entertainment whatsoever. Ir- I just, here's some jangling keys, stupid baby. Irredeemable movie that we do not <sighs> recommend. Hard pivot, sort of. Now, all right, let me get limbered up. I get, I got some thoughts. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Edward Herman, Mr. Herman, Billy Bob Thornton, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and George Clooney in uh, Intolerable Cruelty from the Coen Brothers. My God. Look at her. On October 10th, I would be honored, really, if you'd have dinner with me. I thought that went well. Comes a comedy. I eat men like you for breakfast. She's a challenge. About the things we do for love. Howard and I are planning to marry. And the things love. She can't really love this dope. Does to us. Now that the marriage is winding down. Dump him. From Joel and Ethan Cohen. Is that all? Intolerable cruelty. I I am oh, I am still fascinated by this movie 20 years later. And I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> now here's here's where I got to limber up and, and fight because in the Coen Brothers filmography, when people rate their films, this often comes at the bottom or second to last. This is not much beloved by Coen Brothers fans. Part of that I think is because it's a work for hire. This is a pre-existing script that, that they rewrote and shot. Include me in that. My group. my my thing is that if you're comparing it to other Coen Brothers films, yes, because at least half their filmography is made out of literal masterpieces Mm -hmm. if this had anyone else's name on it you'd love it you think so okay i could see it i could see it you know you're judging it by a lot of works which are way way better yes i'm not sure that i do because i feel like it's it's an odd flex for the coen brothers there's some dialogue here that is clever but not entertaining as are some of the sequences and two of the most unlikable protagonists in the history of film it's sort of impossible to root for and they don't usually do that Yep. Well, 
I mean, don't they? They have uh, so many of their main characters are morons. It's true, but like even even Fargo. Yeah, Fargo is the only the, what comes to mind. But mm-hmm. no, I you know this this left a bad taste in my mouth again. Like I kept waiting for the movie to start. Hmm. Uh, okay. Did not like. Did- <laughs> I so I love this. I feel like it is definitely a throwback to different kinds of screwball comedy. They love Preston Sturgis. I see the Preston Sturgis black comedy yeah. in here. George Clooney is the closest another human has ever come to being Cary Grant in this movie. He is killing it as far as I'm concerned. And here's the plot. He is uh, a divorce lawyer who hates love because love is bad and love is dumb and makes you do dumb stuff. He totally falls for Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is a gold digger. He ruins her divorce where she was going to get all the money. She vows revenge. Shows up a couple months later with uh, oil tycoon Billy Bob Thornton and is like, I want a prenup because I want to show I'm not marrying him for his money. And he's like, I don't believe you. And then there's a lot of immediate divorcing and she gets all of billy bob's money and then she seduces him and she's like you want a prenup i'm gonna rip up the prenup i'm exposed legally and it's so much back and forth and conning and who has a prenup and who's gonna get their money and who has more money than the other person and is love stupid yes love is stupid that's largely the point of the movie and then in the end he's like maybe love isn't stupid maybe being vulnerable is good and we shouldn't just think about money oh wait i've just been fucked over again fuck Mm. it's so goofy also the opening is like its own little short film with jeffrey rush and his wife that is hilarious yes i did like coming home to the pool guy being there (laughs) when he doesn't have a pool yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) laughingly taking pictures of his own ass (laughs) it's awesome no no, not my daytime lifetime achievement award (laughs) Yeah, it, it's very light and fluffy and silly, but also just extremely dark and cynical with uh, ridiculously charismatic, gorgeous people. Yeah, I, I don't know. know why anyone's complaining about this. I don't know. It didn't work for me. And uh, it, it never worked for me, but yeah, recent viewing. But, yeah, but it's interesting that it is the Coen Brothers' most expensive film. Yeah. It double what it usually does. Because of actors. Usually they take a pay cut. To yeah, they take the you. Yeah. Clooney will take a pay cut to do stuff with the Coens. Yeah, maybe they just decided not to. Um, I imagine he's probably the only reason they're here. I I do sort of want to see the alternative reality version where this was going to be Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. Because I feel like that's even more of a shiv into fans of rom-coms. Of like, oh yeah, you love Notting Hill, don't you? The king and queen of rom-coms are going to be here in this movie about how much we hate love (laughs) die motherfucker (laughs) that would have been pretty fun yeah sorry uh, yeah i love it i mean if i have to rank the coen brothers movies yeah it's gonna be in the bottom half but i think people are unfair to it i mean this is this is my second to least favorite coen brothers movie and it did not move yeah Um, well the lady killers only exist so we can all agree on the worst one and move on with our lives yeah but I like it. Intolerable cruelty. That title doesn't help either. Should and have I mean, been called Suspicious Minds. I keep saying, what a great time to be a horror nerd. What a great time to be alive and be a mm-hmm. video game nerd. Be a Cohen, a, a fan of indie auteurs. The same week a Cohen Brothers movie is out, a Quentin Tarantino movie comes out. And for many I mean, it's people, been a while. it yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a couple years. It's yeah. been what ninety seven. Uh, I yeah. think 97 oh, wow. for Jackie Brown. Yeah. It felt like forever. I thought he was gone. 
yeah. we kept reading about what he he was writing um Inglorious Bastards before really beginning work on this. Uh, look at this cast. Sonny Chiba, Michael Madsen, Daryl oh, Hannah, uh David Carradine, Vivica A. Fox, Lucy Liu, Uma Thurman, and that guy from the Adam Sandler movies. It's number one at the box office. Kill Bill Volume One. I was quite the professional in an exclusive industry, and we all worked for this man, Bill. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. But suppose it's a little late for an apology, huh? You suppose correctly. Hi. You have every right to want to get even. Get even? Even, Stephen? I would have to kill you. That'd be about square. Ooh, they didn't say volume one because uh, it was mildly contentious at the time, just because mm. uh, most films didn't drop you on a total cliffhanger like that. Mm. Kill Bill, where, where are you guys at with this? I, I thought it was a <laughs> ballsy film. I thought it was Quentin Tarantino makes movies about movies, and yes. this is the movie-ass movie about movies you could ever movie. Okay, it is trying to be everything he's loved turned up to eleven, and I think it succeeds. Yeah, I think I think that's yep. where it deserves some praise. This is technically not in his wheelhouse. There aren't a ton of action scenes that aren't a point blank gun to the face, <laughs> and and this movie much more so than the second one, which I like more because it feels more like a Tarantino hmm. movie. He completely, uh, uh, I, I mean, they get the Matrix choreographer in here for the, uh, I don't want to say Kylo Ren. What's her name? <laughs> oh, Renishi. Um, oh, Renishi. House, yeah. uh, House of House Blue Leaves. House of Leaves, which is a reference like, to uh, a play that he was in. I saw a filmed version with John Mahoney and Christine Baranski and who was it? Ben Stiller in that part. Uh, it's a really fun play. And yeah, so he, I, for reasons, okay, I just like that name. I'm going to name a club that. It makes, it yeah. makes you I, want... I prefer one to two by quite a bit, actually. Well, they're completely different flavors. Yes. And 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 the second one is like this thorough revenge film. Like, I am taking revenge, not only because these people did this one thing, they did something to me recently. And <laughs> it makes everything more gory and more gritty. Well, well, this one, I mean, it definitely wears its references on its sleeve. It's very much a Lady Snowblood riff mm-hmm. or Bright Who Wore Black. and Or Thriller, the, the a cruel tar- picture. The Tarantino-isms, I think, are much more tamped down in this yes. one. I think that might be why I prefer it. And because it is much more straightforward. It's like, well, she's got a list and she's going to check some motherfuckers off it. Okay. That's pretty cool. Also, I think this... I'm, you know what? I'm I'm going to put my chip down. This is his best use of music. This is his personal... I saw him in an interview recently, like, what is your favorite song you've reintroduced back in the lexicon? And it is the scene from the fight, which we now hear used to imply a fight is about to happen in every movie for the next 20 fucking years. Which, Battle Without Honor Humanity? Yeah. Which yeah. is an existing song, right? Yeah. Yeah. From an existing movie. Yeah, that no one had ever heard before. It's used all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I love the use of music in this so much. I mean, using the Green Hornet theme just for Mm -hmm. I'm driving into Tokyo and it makes it super exciting now. Uh, You got the five, six, seven, eights in there doing like old school rockabilly. The the cue from the theme from Ironside that now immediately means um, I am going to go berserk with rage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, the Twisted Nerve theme by Bernard Herrmann. I, this, the use of music. This is a guy who really is specific about his music. And I think this one is like, he uses Zamfir and it fucking works. I, it, God damn. I love this movie so much. R.I.P. Sunny Chiba. God damn it. We just talked about true romance and him talking about Sunny Chiba movies. Confession time. Yep. I've yet to see volume two. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, confession time for me. Here's a weird, it's going to sound like a weird sentence. We just talked about the Coen Brothers, our least favorite Coen Brothers movie. Your. Would it be weird if this was my least favorite Tarantino movie? Wow. I feel like it um, is weird. And I've watched both of them half a dozen times. And I, I really, really love them both. Mm-hmm. But I something I love about, but there's something I love about Death Proof when you watch the Grindhouse version. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. I do love it. But also, all of my favorite memories from Kill Bill are spread apart to two movies. So my confession is I've never seen The Whole Bloody Affair. And I think I did pick it up semi-recently. Because I think the, the, the reason... I think Harvey Weinstein convinced him to set it, split it into two movies. It's like, he's going to be a dick if I tell him to edit any of this. And if we split mm-hmm. it into two movies, everything shot will go on screen. And there's just really, really prolonged flashbacks, especially in this film. Even when they're beauti- beautifully animated, they're a little indulgent. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, Tarantino's very indulgent yeah. as a director. When, when is he not indulgent? Yeah, I just don't, I don't I mean, know. Like those movies, how much of it is taken up with a flashback of her training? Is that your favorite scene in the movie? It's nowhere close to mine. I mean, but that's indulgent. Uh, but we I, don't need other, all that. His other flashbacks, I think, are fantastic in other films. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. And uh, I, I, again, I'm only making a hot statement. I'm not trying to make it a super hot take because, like, I love this fucking movie. But I, my impression of them is, is as a whole, and I think I've watched two more than one, and I know how they fit together, but I've never watched them together. And I've always meant to do that to really get a good beat on the movie. And mm-hmm. and whenever I watch Kill Bill Volume 1, I keep wanting to... I can't wait till we get to the stuff... That doesn't happen in this movie. That doesn't happen in this movie because it is half a movie. It's not two movies. Yeah. It's half a movie. Yeah, but I think the thing that I like about it that it is half a movie that is very satisfying on its own. Yeah, I mean, it ends with yeah. a cliffhanger, but it doesn't feel like you just chopped half a movie and showed it to me. And it's like, if you took half of Empire Strikes Back, mm. you'd be really frustrated at the at the point where it ends. You'd be like, why? Uh, and that's a movie that has a bummer ending anyway, but it's a satisfying bummer ending. Yeah, usually if you just watch half a movie, you will be fr- even a long movie. If you watch half of Gettysburg, it's what's great about the the movie in general. There are like four thirty minute film, thirty to forty minute films about taking down each one of these people that are awesome and all different, mm-hmm. and, and and they all contain different Tarantinoisms and the. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm also like not the biggest, uh, you know, martial arts fan. And I know Diana, you yeah. you roll way deeper into that uh, than yeah. I do. Yeah, this is like a ladies no blood. It's this is kind of the same idea of like, <laughs> all right, you fucked with me, you killed my man. I have to take you, I have to take you out one by one. That's that's what I do. Also, just as a random aside, a a kimono is the single piece of clothing i would least want to fight to the death wearing mm, yeah <laughs> you can't move your damn feet yeah a lot of chafing. But that fight scene that fight scene with lucy lou in the snow come on they cut out her brain oh it's so so good but mike i would 
never. I mean, if I were, I would have taken a knife and slit the skirt right off. He's like, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm fighting pantsless. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Donald Duck this because, oh my God, I can't move my feet. <laughs> wow. And yeah, take the whole crazy 88s and how it has to go to black and white because otherwise they're going to get an NC-17. Timing that with ripping a dude's eye out. Beautiful. Yeah, that's why I want the whole bloody affair because they, they restore yeah. that. Like, what is this fucking wrestling? Why are you going black and yeah. white for the blood? I, I went through and tried to count. It is about 88 guys. <laughs> I mean, I think they say in the second ones, like, nah, it's just their name because it sounds cool. But yeah, it's, it's about 88 dudes. Sure. And then they get a gang. And then, yeah, you know, then you got your, your final boss. And yeah, but I, but I will not like. I love this movie. Uma Thurman is the shit. And this might be the best yeah. movie she's ever been in. Or at least like the most everything any actor has ever done. Like, mm. just a lot. Uma Thurman, holy shit, why did she agree to this? Because I know it wasn't exactly an easy <laughs> shoot for her. And and she's uh, a new mom, <laughs> just having birthed a Stranger Things cast member, <laughs> and <laughs> who would later yeah. appear in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, she deserves a ton of credit for this. It's so good. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And I think, it, were, were they it's... fucking at the time? They were fucking, right? Eh, it was rumors. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was rumors, but there was also a falling out because she got in a car accident. Yes. And they were like, uh, you want to sign this waiver? And she's like, uh, no. No, I you do not. sue us? And then uh, I think Weinstein so she was ended up fucking her over. Yeah. Car accident in this movie? She's in a car On accident set. in a scene in this movie. Like, Tarantino oh. had her drive 40 miles. Like, you need to drive 40. I want to see your hair waving. Drive 40 miles an hour on this dirt road in this tiny little Miata beater. And you can see the footage online now. They released it a few years ago. Like, she just loses control of the car, exactly what she thought was going to happen. I wanted a stuntman. Why do you need the back of my hair uh, to mm. drive this car at this speed? Because, man, art. I'm not, And I'm not shitting on Tarantino for any of that. But, like, you know, that's obviously not cool. But, yeah, Kill Bill Volume 1. I think, I think it might be his most mainstream movie, where it felt like the whole world saw this. Because everybody mm. gets that... Kill Bill references, uh, Kill Bill one references. Yeah. If I every time I try and make uh, some jokes about salt and pepper in my shotgun, like no one understands what I'm talking about because Kill Bill Volume Two is not as popular. But yeah. Uh, yeah, everything from this everything from this movie seems pretty classic. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those where it's like uh, one of the things I like about doing the show is like we've said before, like we said last week with Gravity. You know, just sort of look back and like, yeah, that was really good, and then don't really remember it, and then you watch it and pay attention, and you're like. Oh man, this is good. That's kind of how I feel about Kill Bill One. Kill Bill Two is extremely a Tarantino movie, but mm -hmm. has fewer parts of me going, "Oh shit, they mm -hmm. did that." I think that's it. Shot that's in the chest. Yeah. Oh, awesome Superman yeah, speech. Rock salt to the tits. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. It did, I, I I really do like this movie. I I love this fucking movie. So I'm only saying in terms on a Tarantino scale. It's like calling Bugs Life a bad Pixar movie. It's still better than right. any DreamWorks movie. Yeah, and, I fucking love this. And everyone should go get a yellow jumpsuit and fight. It's always a good Halloween costume. That's all I'll say. Uh, uh, I'm just bracing myself for all the Ken and Barbie Halloween costumes. Yeah, so. buddy. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I, it's going to be this year's got, Jack Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys your, got your costumes? Because I got mine planned. Uh, no. I, I planned mine really fast. Where I feel like a dumbass. It occurred to me that I own a red trench coat. Uh, <laughs> and yet I have never used that to be Carmen Sandiego. Oh, there you go. Perfect. I am a fool. 
I'm fool, I tell you. Of going as a skinny, fat podcaster with bad posture. That's mm. probably how I'll show up. Yeah. Something nerdy on his shirt. Kill Bill Volume 1, though, I don't want to overshadow it. Just a fantastic film. Just, it's... God dang. I, 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 Tarantino movies tend to be my lullabies, my drunken lullabies nowadays. And this one... <laughs> doesn't enter into the rotation but i do wonder if that's part of it has a weirder streaming availability and i don't have the dvd handy so Uh, yeah that's that's funny that reminds me of a time i was visiting my parents and i was getting ready for bed and i heard the most horrific screams ever coming from my parents bedroom and it was because my mom loves the kill bill movies and she watched was watching (laughs) volume two just when daryl hannah gets her eye ripped out (laughs) and that is a horrible sound to hear when you're not expecting it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my god. I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> Oh, I'm seeing this. This is this is a, officially where like a Tarantino movie is a box office draw. Normally mm-hmm. it's critic uh it's critically acclaimed and awards bait. No, I, I I feel ever since Pulp Fiction, Pulp like, Fiction was Jackie a slow Brown was like sold. Pulp on Fiction was a slow Tarantino. burn across several months. And then kicked ass on home video. Jackie Brown, I remember, was number one for one week. Whereas now you see it, it, I remember Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, it seems odd, but that was like in a world of superhero films and franchise shit, it was number one with a considerably lower budget and not necessarily the the crowd pleaser that audience would have wanted. But it is selling it with Tarantino's name up front. Yep. Yeah. It starts, all the ads are Tarantino, the the fourth film. The fourth film by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. We're a little quiet on that with the marketing for volume two. Uh, this is me. I'm going to get the whole bloody affair and watch that again. And because I, I, I have, I feel like I have my ducks in a row on volume two as a standalone. I just, I really would like to see what it feels like all together because I do love so many pieces of this. And even he made examples of like, if I had to cut it into one movie, we already made the animated sequences. I know they'd make me take it out. Like mm. that, that doesn't all need to be there. But it's awesome. It's amazing to have that sequence in a film where it doesn't belong. It's awesome. And uh, anyway, we can move on to television in 2003. I did find this funny. Uh, Trading Spaces this week nets over 9 million viewers, a record-breaking number for the channel TLC, and thus solidifying (laughs) the end of the learning portion of the learning channel. And what it would become after this is an all-reality show extravaganza dwarves and beauty fat beauty pageant winners and <laughs> john and kate plus uh, everything that's ruining my my max uh feed right now uh basically because of that i had to watch i don't know if you I'm not trying to pose a question here but a show you have to watch hundreds of episodes of because of your significant other like i don't outright loathe this but i resent the amount of time i spent with this again like when it wasn't my choice trading spaces fuck you page also this week on in 2003 october 6th to the 12th uh, on television seven little monsters ends they show that debuted in 2000 or so the doc tells me (laughs) (laughs) it's based on a children's book it's basically all these bad monsters represents things kids need to work on Ah. oh oh but it's by marie sendak who wrote where the wild things are i've heard of him i like him and monsters and and then lastly, we got a uh, knock first a show that debuts on H ABC Family ABC Family. Don't know. Hello. So this is a reality never. television show. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of this, and I'm surprised there aren't like a million of versions of this still. It's you get a teenager's room and you redesign it for him. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, hope you like Paw Patrol, kid. I'm going to make you super popular. <laughs> oh. And then uh, the 4,000th episode of Wheel of Fortune is out this <laughs> week. 20 years before Pat Sajak is retiring? or Yep. Oh, I did not mention it. Uh, I did try to track down a date. 2003, the debut of the Pumpkin Spice Latte. Are you kidding? I could not find a date. It seemed like it was late September or, or early October, so I'm just going to throw it out there now. I forgot to even add it to the news section. My PSL? Our PSL nightmare oh. is 20 years old. Oh, God. i got to put on a big hat and a scarf and celebrate. And I don't care because I love nutmeg and I yes. love pumpkin spice flavored things because yes. they got nutmeg in them. And cinnamon, idiot. No one hates mm. cinnamon. Stop talking about you hate pumpkin spice stuff. It's delicious. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's obnoxious. Sometimes they can they can overdo it, but it, it's delicious by uh, by science. Leave it alone. Video games of two thousand three. Jesus Christ! If we're making a list of video games that should have never happened, backyard wrestling. Don't try this at home. Okay, I know they start off saying "Don't try this at home." <laughs> Sounds the whole actionable <laughs> purpose of backyard wrestling is by definition to do it at your home. Otherwise, it's not your backyard. I mean, I guess technically your yard is not your home. So I guess maybe then they're like, don't do it in your home. Do it in your backyard. Wink, wink. But also backyard wrestling, the whole spirit of it is, is this is this is outsider art, motherfuckers. We don't want anything to do with your mainstream wrestling. This is a licensed game with licensed backyard wrestler. <laughs> but how many people can you fit in a backyard for backyard wrestling? Uh, from the video footage yard. I've seen, about a North- dozen. About a dozen. I lived yeah. in North Carolina, and like I did not want a big backyard. But when I moved there, it was like your house is an acre. Well, I don't want an acre. Too bad. Your house is an acre. <laughs> learn to love yeah. mowing, or learn to love parting with two hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Uh, but this this game absolutely knows its audience because in this first fifteen seconds of this wrestling game, you get posted size stamp FMV big old titties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this the one with the uh, insane clown posse playable, or is that the second it one? Is. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm back in. Yeah. <laughs> I want them to show up in my backyard, and me have to go. Hey guys, what what what, what do you want? You want some? You need a soda? Bunny, you should ask Diana. It's wrestle. time for time for a fago bukaki. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're gonna make perfectly reasonable requests about getting vaccinated during a time of national crisis <laughs> that is more uh, in keeping with scientific literature than that of the president. Oh yeah, we're the insane clown posse. Oh. I mean, of all the places I want them to pop up, that's property i own the backyard is good because then they're not in the house but also the neighbors can't see true it's true there's gonna be a funk mixed in with that makeup oh man one of my favorite uh favorite games uh one shot games even though it got two or three but this is the one beautiful joe for gamecube one of the what was the promise capcom exclusive five for gamecube and you wanted a playable cartoon you got one beautiful joe Again, I must ask, what does beautiful mean? Uh, It's just a name. Okay. It's a move you can do. It stars a man who is nostalgic for video games he played as a kid. So Mm -hmm. if you are now playing Beautiful Joe in the current year and you played him as a kid, 
congratulations, you are now beautiful, Joe, because that's exactly <laughs> what he was doing. You played yourself, dog. Uh, look it up, Diana. Like it's it's impressive to look at. It's cel shaded. It looks like a cartoon. You can rewind and fast forward to do more intense moves. Uh, Every three D game from two thousand to two thousand six should have been cel shaded. That should have been a loss. So pretty. It would have held up so much better. Yeah, it's very very pretty. Ooh. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was way too distracted by the device that came out this week uh my yeah. husband was obsessed what? his co-worker became a meme i wanted to know everything about this so i could laugh and laugh and this laugh. is the week people 20 years ago we... i might call him in here see if he can <laughs> get on the air there's no need because i played i played it as well you this is the week people 20 years ago console quality video games on your phone it happens. What? It happens. Games on your phone. Chris, this is some wonderland of which we will never arrive. <laughs> Maybe in the far off year of 2099, such a thing could be. But, but how will you do this in the year 2003, I ask? Now imagine it's a $700 phone. It's using cartridges to play the games instead of downloading. Those games are competitively priced with other console games you have to take your battery out to put the cartridges in and because of the way the hardware works you have to talk on the side of the phone thus creating the wonderful side talk and meme featuring my friend christian i believe he is the one in that image it's hysterical yeah it looks like a taco it looks like you're talking into a taco yeah it was so weird being online and being like is that christian (laughs) like yeah i know that guy yeah yeah it's a taco and you talk in the flat part at the bottom the nokia engage so debuts and would, would later redesign to be less silly but it was kind of already done at that point i mean if any phone was going to do it at this point it was going to be the nokia because it was like that was the most that was the biggest brand in cell phones because every teenager every 20 year old had one it was indestructible snake playing nokia phones and this, oh my God, just, it was, it was too fucking much, just too much, too much sacrifice, too much cost. Just get a fucking Game Boy for fuck's sake. Get, get a Nintendo DS. What are you doing? Just I mean, the cartridges the- for games that right there, like that's going to take up a lot of space. That that's a, just a bad idea. I know. Yes, like I was saying, internet speeds are pretty slow. You're not really streaming stuff. There's got to be. There's got to be a better way. Indeed, there does. It's one. Of, it's one of those systems. I don't even know if it has any emulation scene because it doesn't have any. There must be because yeah. there is an Elder Scrolls game locked on this system. Oh really? Oh no. Yeah. Elder Scrolls Shadowkeep has only ever been released on the N-Gage. So I guarantee you some mad Elder Scrolls fan out there is like, well, got to spend the next three years of my life emulating this. It's got three Splinter Cell games. It's got... <laughs> it's got... Civilization 2? Tony Hawk? The, the screen is so little. I'm trying to... It's like half a credit card. It's got a How? Call of Duty. It's This is... Just hysterical, uh, the end gate. Just a a really prolonged failure, though. It 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 stuck around with the Nokia money for a while, but I never saw it take up any significant retail space or mind share. No, I knew no one who played who bought one of these things. And why would you? But when you heard about the idea, didn't it appeal to you a little? Weren't you like that'd be cool? It, a, a little bit, but the, yeah. it was that that weird time when we were getting like a bunch of 
console wannabes that was kind of vaporware, your gizmondos and all that weird shit. Uh, trying because because the CD technology was becoming so cheap and easy to license. Yeah, no, I never I never saw this being a thing. No, never. And 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 didn't really look forward to it because the screen was super fucking tiny, and you play by the numeric pad on the phone is how you play. <laughs> I w- actually strike that. I would love some tactile feedback buttons if you want me to play more games on my iPhone that aren't just match three games. Uh, I would really appreciate that. But the end gauge had to fail so we could learn. Had to had, had to die so everything else so the iPhone could live. End gauge, you are hysterical. Side talking forever. Unbelievable. Seriously, the receiver and the earpiece are on the side of the phone. Now that I think about it, I see so many teenagers talking to their phone like that anyway. Like it's a like it's a plate they hold up near them. Mm. Maybe side talking was a great idea. Moving on to the end of the segment. Uh, Coheed and Cambria will take us out with a favor house Atlantic. Uh, but don't move. We got one more segment. 2013, 10 years ago. Stay right there. Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Die in this Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of October 6th through 12th, well, we got some news, we got some recommendations. Uh, let's start with 50 years ago this week. It is a historic day. Vice President Spiro Agnew resigned. Why? Because he didn't declare $30,000 on his taxes. Thirty. Grant, that is $207,000 in today's money. And that's enough for the vice president to resign. <sighs> I never thought I would miss the Nixon administration, but motherfuck, where have our standards gone? <laughs> anyway, let's get on to some happier news, except it's not because of someone dying. Sister Rosetta Tharp died. She was only 58. Please go on YouTube and look up Sister Rosetta Tharp. She is one of the great unsung early rock guitarists. She had kind of an odd career because as the name implies, she was not a nun, but she was extremely religious and sometimes she would decide, I can't play the devil's music anymore, and she'd retire. And then she'd come back. And if you want to see Jimi Hendrix as like a little old lady, Sister Rosetta Tharp fucking rules. So, R.I.P. Sister. Also coming out this week, I hate talking about things that I haven't seen. Another movie I know entirely by reputation, but I'm going to watch it this week because it fits in with spooky season. Also in 1973, coming out this week, turning 50, is The Spirit of the Beehive, which is a Spanish film about a little girl who becomes obsessed with the movie Frankenstein. Now, I admit, I do not know much about 70s Spanish cinema. This is one of the only movies from the time that I have heard of, but I know it pops up on sight and sound lists. I know it pops up on BFI lists. It's like one of the best movies ever made. My sister-in-law saw it a while back and was raving. And I feel like Nick that I haven't watched it. So I'm going to watch Spirit of the Beehive. And it sounds like there's also some stuff about it being under the Franco regime. And, uh, you know, her understanding the monster and, and relating to him and how the people are after him. And yeah, so I'm going to check it out. It sounds pan's labyrinthy in a weird way. 
Anyway, then finally this week, Turning 60 is the first great Bond film. And I still think one of the absolute best James Bond films of all time. From Russia with love, which is just a solid spy thriller. Has nothing, it, it, whether or not you like James Bond doesn't matter. It's a solid-ass spy thriller where there's lots of double agents and being undercover. We, we finally get the theme. We finally get the opening. We get the gadgets. A, a lot of the Bond stuff, because it's only the second movie, it's kind of being cemented here. But on location in Turkey, got Pedro Almadaris, who is always cool. Robert Shaw, Quinn from Jaws, as one of the coolest, like, bad guy henchman types of all time. Yeah, it's it's just a solid standalone film. Or if you're a Bond fan, maybe it's your favorite. I, it's like top three or four for me, honestly. So, from Russia with love, if you want to watch something fun. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2013 with Royals by Lord, 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 Lord. It's number Lord. one. Lord, Lord, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> love that she actually recorded that. Ten years ago, Lord is king. Oh, what a stupid sentence. Uh, muse, other music released in <laughs> October 6th through the 12th. We got new mu- new album releases such as Brand New Machine by Chase and Saddis. The Paradigm Shift from Korn. My Name is My Name by Pusha T. Melophobia by Cage the Elephant, Frame by Frame by uh, Kasadi Pope, Acceptance Speech by Dance Gavin Dance, Common Courtesy by A Day to Remember, Back to Forever by Lizzie, Monsters in the Closet by Mayday Parade, Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die by Panic at the Disco, Vengeance Falls by Trivium, and of course New by Paul McCartney. That creativity is still going strong, naming your new album new, Paul. Whoa, Nobel Peace Prize. Hey, let's give it to the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. And China and Russia walk away. Yeah, that's Syria. That's about the Syria thing. Ah, yes. But we can all agree chemical weapons are bad, right? Can we please just all agree on that? The thing is, very rarely in war do you not use a weapon if it improves your side. The thing about chemical weapons is almost never really helps one side unless they have a monopoly on it. It just makes every All side people. much worse to fight with. I mean, you I mean, probably you say, know. say the same thing about any weaponry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's all go back and watch All Quiet on the Western Front, and the second someone says the word gas, we all shit ourselves, and there is a reason. Mm. Yeah, it's it's horrible and uncontrollable, and no, it, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Speaking of bad, oh. 15 people are killed by a series of explosions in a fireworks factory. Not so funny now, Simpsons fans. Uh, in Vietnam, yeah. <laughs> this horrible tragedy sounds exactly how you'd think it would sound. <laughs> that's, that's a JR line. I want to give him credit for that. Wow. But an- wow, but enough to kill 15 people? Uh-huh. Oh, 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 my God. That video yeah. looks like it's like a mile away, too. Yeah, it's not yeah, nearby. I, 
I, I really don't think you should use AI to copy celebrity voices, even cartoon voices. But if I did, I'd want someone to do Millhouse go, I wanted to go to the Fireworks factory, but not like this. Not like this. <laughs> like this. Oh, my God. Not like this. Oh, God damn. Movies of 2013, October 6th <laughs> through the 12th. Uh, Gravity is still number one of the box office. I did not hear this movie. Justin Bartha, Malin Ackerman, and Alan Rickman in CBGBs. CBGB. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, have you heard of film the club works... CBGB? I think I have. Okay. Would you like to read a Wikipedia article in movie form? No. No, I would yeah. not. Mm. This film works better as a soundtrack than it does a film. Mm. Because yes. as a series of kick-ass bands, guess what? It's got a series of kick-ass bands. As an engaging story with characters and plot, it's not there. No. There's no there there. No, it it has an interesting style and in that it's done like a comic book or zine and com- combined to you know tell you who everyone is and what's going on. But it is very literally a Wikipedia entry on where did punk come from? In America. Yeah. Well, yeah, in America. Mm. Yeah. It, I was I was kind of bummed. There was like, there's little bits and pieces I like. But mostly it's just like, hey, there's this club. Let's get bands in. Oh, look, the Ramones are here. I guess there was one <laughs> there was one joke that I liked where they didn't spell everything out, where they asked the Ramones, like, what songs do you have? And they list a bunch of their songs there. I don't want to go in the basement. I don't want to go to school. I don't like you want to write a song about what you do want. And they go, yeah, we could try that. And they do not immediately cut to I want to be sedated. No? And that was the only thing I liked. <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, and then. Oh boy, this, this this title's in the news a lot these days, uh, but not for this movie. Starring Ed Westwick, Christian Cook, Paul Giamatti, Douglas Booth, and Haley Stanfield. Romeo and Juliet. Do we really need another one of these? Even ten years no. ago, just no. have the balls to call it by its original title: mm-hmm. "The Most Excellent and Lamentable Tragedy of Romeo and Juliet." <laughs> there, Ooh. that's the original title. Just put it on your movie to make it like different, and people will be like, "Why are you rewriting Shakespeare?" And you can be, "We're not." Yeah, but they do were... rewrite Shakespeare in this film. Yes, they the rewrite way. Shakespeare. Why? Which is bold move, Jeff. Let's see if it pays off in the final <laughs> round. Because holy crud, There's... how confident do you have to be to rewrite the guy who's called the Bard? He's not called a Bard. He's called <laughs> the Bard, and you're going. I... I think I can workshop this a little, Bill. I, let me let me let me just take know. a crack under the hood. Yeah, the, look, there's already two perfectly good Romeo and Juliet movies that use the original text. They they make some cuts, but they don't add Bad. anything. Yeah, you got your traditional, you know, costume version, and you got your wacky version, and I, they both tell the story very well. I fell in a deep rabbit hole of that. This shit going on the 1968 Romeo and Juliet. It's right. It is fascinating to me that someone is suing so many dead people. I don't know this story at all. The, ni- the oh. 1968 one cast a bunch of underage people, had them nude in it, and then used the nudity to promote the film. And how many years later? Almost uh, 60 years later, they're suing the filmmaker and the studio. No, the studio, just the studio. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because so, everyone's dead. Zeffirelli's mm-hmm. dead. Everyone, uh, <laughs> half of them are dead. Yeah, but no, so, the the original, the the sixty eight Franco Zeffirelli version. She's like fifteen or sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't allowed at the premiere because she was underage. 
but it's her titties that we're seeing. Whereas yeah. this wow. one, when Haley Stanfield is cast, they like, all right, we're not doing any sex scenes in this movie. Get it out. Yeah. There, there are some ways you can have nudity in someone under 18, aren't there? I, <laughs> I don't know. No? Somebody check his web browser. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. If you can have like fully unsexualized nudity. I mean, I know yeah, I've like seen it in some Vietnam documentaries, but like a uh, documentary style, maybe. Mm. So, so my question is, is every copy of that movie now illegal? I, I don't know exactly how that worked because it, it very, yeah. I, after this lawsuit, maybe very well could be, could become a lost film. And I don't know exactly what, I forget exactly what they're suing over. It is a fucking crazy story if you feel like reading it. But it's it's interesting to see, even if this movie is pretty panned, I think you could have made the same movie and critics would have panned it the same and called it a Romeo and Juliet story and you would have been fine. Mm. But like, just that Romeo and Juliet can still stir up trouble <laughs> this, 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 <laughs> this long after it was written is, is fun. I think that's yeah. fun. Well, because they're kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually say, like, she's, she's what, 14, mm-hmm. I think, in the story. She just turned 14 or is about to turn 14. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think if you want to d- distill the 90s into one movie, Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, I will never watch any other version. Yeah. Never. Well, uh, that one works because it's wacky, but it's also, like, modern enough that kids aren't going to get bored. Like, they understand it better because so they're in cars and they have guns as opposed to the you know fancy schmancy hats and old timiness but this is this is a modernized version though right i don't think so well, i think it is but i think they filmed in italy at least okay. so that's nice all right and then we have uh man was i excited to finally check this out uh michelle oh, watkins this movie i love it so much and it makes me so sad toby huss i love this movie implies elaine did marry the whiz at some point. I'm the Wiz. That's Toby Huss. Come on, everybody's looking at me like they're confused. I thought we were Seinfeld fans. Ben Falcone, Catherine Keener, Tony Collette, Julie Louise Dreyfus, and the second to last movie starring James Gandolfini. Enough said. And oh, this broke my heart because yes, we've already lost Gandolfini at this point. Mm-hmm. And he is so great in this and doing such an not Tony Soprano not, type of thing. It's not a even rom-com. remotely. And it's it's such a fascinating thing because you've got two stars who are both cemented in the public's yeah. mind as Elaine Bennis and Tony Soprano. And here they are dating each other. Except you forget about that in like one and a half minutes. Yeah. And yeah. then it's just two human beings interacting with each other with a lot of love, a lot of honesty, a lot of just amazing acting. And we were robbed so much of 10 years of Gandolfini Mm -hmm. doing quirky projects, his breakout uh, comeback in a Tarantino film or something, you know? And and, and, uh, to paraphrase (sighs) what Michael Imperioli said, he was asked, are you going to see Enough Said? And he's like, I saw the trailer and that was enough because it was too much like the I love them. They they call him Jim, the Jim I know, and I just not ready to look at that just yet. And it is Aww. bizarre. There is no Gandolfini performance that isn't in an action movie, a seedy, gritty crime movie, a 
gangster movie. There are no performances from him other than where the wild things are. Um, <laughs> well, actually, he has a surprise performance in a movie we're going to talk about yeah. in 1993 next week. Okay, great, Ooh. fantastic. But but it's in in terms of a starring role, and I yes. not to not to not to gush over my person. I'm the one out there dating. They're about in their 50s, like early 50s. I'm mm-hmm. dating yeah. in my mid-40s. So this, to me, <laughs> hit real close to home because yeah. well, the sex and the passion comes real fast, and then it falls apart pretty quickly because there's yeah. so much, many other aspects of life dragging down your romantic happiness. I There's no reason married people should not... Cry me a river, says married people. Like, <laughs> where's the... But, like, yeah, it's... Life makes romance so much more difficult uh, post forty for everybody. Yeah. And- so yeah, so this is this is an occult Hall of Center movie whose movies up till this point it was always like it's almost great for me, but there's something kind of like friends friends with money I like, but it's not quite. And I haven't seen her her newer one, which also has Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, you hurt my feelings, but this is it is technically a rom com about adults for adults. And that makes it sound really boring. And I was laughing the whole fucking time. Yeah, it's 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 one of those movies I have shrugged off. Like, this is such a small story, but it's one that's like so very much happening to me right now. And, yeah. and it, it did raise a good question I was going to ask you guys, because I've never done this. Have you ever dated a friend's ex? Yes. I had this. No. I had this exact. Well, I'm saying like ex from like 20 fucking years ago. Oh, okay. And, and, well, that's and, different. And I remember, like, uh, I, I I said, "Yeah, I'm dating this person," and she's like, "All right, cool." I, uh, hey, she has a pretty significant temper problem, and there's a scene in this movie. Well, because of what this movie is about, where like, did him telling me that color that prod that or make me over analyze that? So Elaine, which is not her name in the movie. <laughs> meets James Gandolfini, goes on a date. At the same time, she meets, uh, she's a masseuse and she meets, uh, she becomes, befriends one of her clients. They decide to be friends and then slowly realize like, oh my God, the, the guy I'm dating and my new friend used to be married. Mm-hmm. And without yeah. naming his name, she realizes all these shitty stories she's told about her ex <laughs> are about her current boyfriend and yeah. she start prodding him for more. And when it eventually blows up, Gandolfini's like, I'm angry and embarrassed. I, and I think probably yeah. too angry. There's an amazing moment there where this could have been a French farce or a wackety mm. schmackety threes company, but instead it treats it how real human beings would treat it. And mm. they figure it out in about five seconds. And then it's like incredibly awkward and relationship destroying. And that was such a moment of honesty in the film, which I just adored it for. Yeah. Yeah, this it was kind of like the the very best of every Woody Allen relationship movie put together without that same baggage. Except that so much of the time James Gandolfini is just being kind of a nice guy and he's just sort of chatting and everything. And I'm just like, we miss you. Yeah, Man. hearing James Gandolfini. I wanted more of this. I wanted real, more of this. We his real need voice we talking about how good the show What's Happening is is something <laughs> we've all been denied and worth tracking down because. Very a very pleasant little movie, and just my current dating situation very much mirrored this. Because again, like the hot stuff comes so fast, like before the first date is over, and then the meanness and the heartbreak come in the ensuing weeks because of 
what life is like for divorce professional people. A uh, friend of mine, and I will always admire the hell out of him for this, was getting serious with his now current wife. And so he decided he introduced his then girlfriend at his time to his ex-wife, sat them down at dinner, said, have a good talk, and left and just let them Whoa. talk to each other. His logic, and it's Balls really good. Balls of steel. Tell me about it. His logic, and it's really solid, is this is a woman I want to spend the rest of my life with, so I want her to know the real me. And if she's going to get that information from my ex, that is a person I chose to be with. She can get that information and then make her decision. Wow. Yeah. Do they have kids, him and his ex? Yes. So his ex is still in his life. So Correct. that is actually a very smart choice then. So I, I don't have kids, and so I don't want any of my exes to live <laughs> no that's not true that's that's uh, that's, that's the thing about my situation i'm i'm dating friends of my exes i can ask them things about them and vice versa like i know this is happening i did like introduce this. my wife to one of my exes because wow. uh we were friends and mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's so funny it was one of our uh first dates together and uh, with my wife, and we were going to see a live action version of Manos, The Hands of Fate, <laughs> as you do. It was a play It was a play in Portland, and we were going to go see it, and my ex-girlfriend invited me, and I invited my then-girlfriend, now wife, with me, and we went there, and I said hi to my uh, ex-girlfriend, and then l later, like weeks later, my wife told me the very first thing that went through my mind when you introduced me to that woman was he fucked her. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you, you got to deal with that. Yeah. Just, I, I love, I really loved enough said so much. This is like maybe my strongest recommend of the week, just because I feel like fewer people have heard of this. But, oh yeah. Yeah. And the idea of the, like after a divorce and there's time goes by and people change and like, are they the same person that got divorced that drove their ex crazy or like, Oh, and I, I also, yeah, I also, it's just so realistic and mature. God, I damn also it. liked that nobody's really like it, the way we're describing it. No one's really mad at their ex, really. There's not, there's not a I huge. I mean, there's bitterness. There's a difference yeah. between anger and bitterness. Excuse but me. There's, she is there's absolutely bitter. There's no it. vendetta because she's not yeah. so much bitching about her ex husband as she's like, this is why I'm not in a relationship anymore because my previous one went like this, and they're all like dumb little things and just it, it there's no one really mean about it i and that's that's a really it's again for me right now those are the waters i'm navigating you're mad at your ex do i have to be mad at your ex do i have to see your ex oh i do have to see your ex do i have to be mad at them too oh boy uh maybe don't tell me anything <laughs> uh, that doesn't work either uh but yeah we are primarily a pop cultural podcast we yeah. talk about you know comic books and superheroes and action movies pri primarily not exclusively but listeners if you're in the mood for a little more adult fare this is my hugest recommend of the year this is yeah, my, wow. the best adult movie that you have probably not seen who i really want you to go see and, and not, not to undersell yeah. julie louise dreyfus in this we know she can she, she's he is funny but she can she's acting here and but Ooh. gandolfini as like a regular guy. We were oh. kind of denied that a performance this big and long from him. And I totally spaced on this one and I'm glad I finally got around to it. So I'm, I'm kind of there with you, JR. Like a, what a great discovery that we get to experience as part of this show. It's not streaming mm -hmm. anywhere. So good luck. 
Um, gonna have to pay a little for it. Yep. Or you can go to the easy 30 2010 fodder. Charlie Sheen, Amber Heard, Sofia Vergara, Mel Gibson, Michelle Rodriguez, and Denny Trejo in Machete Kills. <sighs> Did you see today? They the th- speaking of Kill Bill and Grindhouse. The th- the trailer for the third movie based on a Grindhouse trailer mm-hmm. is, is Werewolf in the SS. Finally, Thanksgiving. Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Oh. Following a hobo with a shotgun and machete kills. <laughs> machete kills. Yeah. I, wow, it has been so much fun going through Robert Rodriguez's filmography. And, you know, we just talked about Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which was a great rewatch. Mm-hmm. I, I Another one where it's like, I feel like I discovered that movie again. Where I, I really enjoyed it. I think this is his worst movie, and I think it's by quite a bit. Wow. And I am sad because I enjoyed the first Machete. I like his part of Grindhouse more than I like Tarantino's. And I love me some Danny Trejo. He is like the best person ever. And I want good things for him. Above all, Diana loves Mel Gibson. (laughs) Well, if we want to shoot him into space, (laughs) I would be okay with that. I think that's best for everyone. You know, the Jews control all the satellites. Yeah, Mel, we know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we saw the end of History of the World Part 1 with Jews in space. We know. We know. (laughs) Yeah, it's the promised sequel to Machete. And there's... A, a super villain and drug runners in the corrupt Mexican government, and it's like overcomplicated. There's tons and tons of people popping up in it as part of like a sh- whole shared universe of like all his movies. And Elon it Musk. just Ugh. does not hold together. And I got, but is it supposed bored. to be? I mean, it's supposed to be just going from one crazy, can you believe we're doing this? to oh, if you thought that was crazy, look what we're doing now. Yeah, but it, it did not hold together at all for me by the end i was just like but why why are we even here i don't why what are you trying to do with this i, I was so I that, so that was some of my issue my only real issue with robert rodriguez at all because man was i so excited he's like fuck hollywood fuck these rules i'm gonna make stuff in austin my way quick and dirty and then like they become indistinguishable because they come out so hot and heavy like how many um, I, I lump this into like the El Mariachi universe as well, even though I know they're not mm-hmm. technically the same universe, but they're the same style. But could have it could have used some of that juice, man? Yeah. Just like let's let's get this moving. I feel like so much like there's like too much plot. It drags and it just yeah, it's not not the machete that we want. And now we're probably never going to get machete kills dot 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 in space as we have been promised <laughs> by the end of this film, and this makes me sad. I do like that Charlie yeah. Sheen is credited by his real name, yeah. Carlos Esteban. That was cute. You it was. Give him credits for that. It yeah. was. And it, Spanish. Moving on to the big, big movie, Catherine Keener. Once, hey, once again, David Warshawski, Michael Serenis, Barkad Abadi, and uh, Tom Hanks in Captain Phillips. This is Mask Alabama. We are an unarmed freighter with a potential privacy situation. Chances are it's just fishermen. They're not here to fish. Look at me. I'm the captain now. You come with us! Don't get in there! We gotta get him off this ship! We're deploying a SEAL team. Captain Phillips, can you hear me? Captain Phillips, can you hear me? I mean, what's not to like? I mean, (laughs) what's not to like about Captain Phillips? It's a, Jesus Christ, a stirring movie off of, it makes it, Something that doesn't seem like it 
should have an action movie based about it, even though there are guns and pirates and turns it into an action movie. It is a... I mean, I almost... I guess it is an action movie, but I really feel it more like a thriller. Yeah. Because question... For one thing, I knew how it ended. Mm -hmm. And I assume, given when it was made, most people watching it knew how it ended. And it's not like Captain Phillips is the one who's doing the shooting. Mm -hmm. He's unarmed, except for a flare gun, for the entire film. The people who are armed are faceless names that we never know. So I I don't necessarily know I'd call it an action movie. I'm just saying it's, it's... Tonally, it's an action film. The camera's mm-hmm. constantly moving. It's zipping mm-hmm. around. It the, the score is actiony, even though it's a much smaller situation than what you'd get in a ten-year-old yeah. major Hollywood action movie. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is a hostage movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of it is shit. What were we talking about? We we're talking about uh, process movies about jobs that you'd never see on screen. Because it's kind of a process movie. How do these giant tanker ships work? How do big container ships, like, what's it like to be on a container ship? What does a ship? sea captain yeah. do now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and how do they deal with pirates off of Somalia? And how do the pirates work? What do they do? How, yeah. All the different defenses that they have to try to keep these pirates off. And then the pirates manage to get on. And then, then we got a diehard situation for a little bit of some people are trying to hide. Some people are trying to fight. And that becomes a hostage situation. And... It's like so much of it is like I kind of go back and forth between this is great and this is pretty good. And then the ending scene is one of the most incredible scenes ever. And, when, you know, when Tom Hanks, knock on wood, does pass away, and I hope that doesn't happen, that should be in the real and it won't. It will just see a bunch of Forrest Gump clips. Mm. And he's his acting in the last scene is incredible. Mm. And it, it kind of makes it all worthwhile for me of like, OK, yeah, we and we get to know different characters and like the whole complication of how do you shoot a gun when you're on a boat and someone else is on a boat and everything's moving yeah how do you how does a sniper work in that situation oh my god this yeah yeah, it it's ridiculously good yes (laughs) and they went all out in filming this this is not green screen on some hall set it's green grass on the sister (laughs) ship of the alabama everything looks dirty and real because they're filming in a mirror copy of where it actually took place. Yeah. 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 And they, and they got, Hey, look at that. Cool runnings. They found actual Somali actors. <laughs> they went to Minnesota, which you wouldn't think, but it does have a pretty substantial Somali population. And they got Barkhad Abdi, who was a limo driver and DJ. And he pops up every now and then still. And he is really good, especially for a yeah non-professional actor. Yeah, I, I, I think the the biggest change though is like the orig- the guy originally is like a teenager. He's like sixteen. And it's, it's like I okay, he couldn't find any. Expressed some frustration. An Oscar winner, <laughs> or did he win or was he nominated? He, he was won. nominated. Yeah, Oscar nominated actor who was hasn't been able to easily parlay this into other work. Yeah, and yeah. I was looking at his filmography. I'm like that is surprisingly little, but I, I did not see he was in Blade Runner 2049. And he's a, mm-hmm. a main character in that Adult Swim show. I still haven't seen the Blade Runner show. His character from oh. 2049. Oh, that's cool. I know. I've been meaning to check that out. But yeah, the film is fantastic. It covers this historical event really well. You know, a lot of times they take huge liberties with stories. Which okay, it's a movie. Yeah. This is pretty darn the story. Yes, there are some changes, but nothing egregious everything you see is basically how it actually happened i mean roughly basically. yeah 
he wasn't quite as heroic. He never said like kill me instead of anyone else, but they they got the gist very right. I mean, Somalia pirates was a huge thing at the time, and I yeah. just learned this. Mm. There was a Somalian pirate stock exchange. What? I am not making this up. So can I? You would. My bidding on it, what they what they steal or the pirates themselves. You invest money into Pirate Enterprise X. Hell yeah! When it has a successful uh, hostage taken and successful ransom, you get a certain percentage of that, and these shares are tradable in Somalia. Wow. Look at me! Oh I am God. the dividend now. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do appreciate they don't spend a ton of time on it, but they do explain why are these guys doing this, and also the like. You got a ransom of six million dollars. Why? Why don't you have any money? Why aren't you rich now if you've already been paid? That was because the whole system is fucked. Yeah. Well, also he's lying. This is his, yeah. you know, first thing. He wants to seem more dangerous than he is. And that's, I was skeptical going in because, like, I don't know, because I just know I'm going to hear things about like what are we carting through these territories and what's happening with the Somalis and how are they being exploited and are they just taking a little food. back? They were shipping mm. food. But but at the end of the day, pirates are fun. Modern pirates is something that I will never not be fascinated by. It's, it is well, fascinating to look at that. I think we... I just don't want to... I don't want like a, a a glorified Karen movie. Like, oh, I mustn't well, go in the water, or a pirate will come and take my Nintendo Switch. Well, uh, <laughs> pirates are what's known as hostis humani generis. That, that Chuck is Jones Latin, cartoon. Latin for an enemy of mankind. It's a legal term. It means that any nation can attack and kill pirates, Jesus. even if that nation is not directly affected. And the U.S. Supreme Court, as recently as 1980, ruled that hostis humani generis is still in effect. What are, what are some ah. other ones? Like uh, fire ants? Slavers. Slavers are also covered in that. Oh, yeah. I'll take All that. Right. I'm down um, with that. This is not the show to come out as pro-slaver. None of you. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Uh, but Captain Phillips, easy recommend. Totally. Yeah, easy recommend. And if you think it's going to be like... Uh, all about you know the angels are going to sing when he's freed and it's going to be very sentimental and oh he's such a brave man i was like no man no it's a thriller uh and then let's move on to television 2013 october 6th through the 12th mighty med debuts on disney xd great idea for a uh kids show it's a superhero hospital (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the superheroes get busted out, and there's a couple of kids who are genre-savvy, so they're able to help. Great idea for a show. What about Peg and Cat debuting on PBS Kids? Uh, Cute little show. (laughs) I'll take it. Sorry, that's all I got for you. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Is this the Once Upon a Time spinoff for ABC? Yes, exactly. It's when Alice was such a good character that they wanted to send her into her own universe and then the timeline goes all tiny whammy ball uh, because <laughs> this is kind of happening in Victorian Britain, but it's also what's going on in the Once Upon a Time in, uh, main show. But yeah, if you like Alice in Wonderland, this is probably the show for you. I do, but not this version. Uh, but the show I, I'm always trying to get into is American Horror Story. Mm. And every single new pr- promotional tease, like this looks like so much fun. Uh a show with a 
stable plus revolving cast that changes scenarios and times every season. Cool. Yeah, I, I've watched a, a chunk of this season Coven and the next season Freak Show, and it's like individual episodes will be pretty interesting or have interesting ideas in them. And and then the next week, like you want them to continue that story. And it's like they just drop plots and subplots. Yeah, just, it's like they're bored or like they gave writing assignments to a bunch of different teams se- separately. <laughs> it's like. They, they rarely hold together as like a whole season, but there'll be interesting stuff in between. And this one, Coven is, I mean, it's it's some big old campy fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're down in the bayou and we got, you know, Jessica Lange uh, and Sarah Paulson is, you know, like witches. And then there's other witches. And Plus there's Angela Bassett and Stevie Nicks. And- <laughs> Angela Bassett, I think, is, um, wait, who is she playing? She's playing an Marie Laveau. Person. Oh, yeah, she's playing Marie Laveau, who's mm-hmm. not dead. She's, you know, a voodoo queen. And Kathy Bates is like Delphine LaLaurie, who that's an actual historical figure, is one of the worst people in all of history. I think there's a point where, like, they take her disembodied head and force it to watch Roots so she won't be racist anymore. There's a lot of goofy, weird shit in these. But also, because um, it's about witchcraft, pretty early on you find out, oh, someone can resurrect people. Well, now there's no stakes. Uh, yeah. yeah, but, you know. A lot of jokes about Stevie Nicks being a witch. That's fun. Indeed, indeed. I, she I, was rumored to be one, right? Yeah, I think. No, so. that's just kind of her aesthetic. Oh, okay. You know. And yeah. uh, then uh, another shows I didn't watch Glee, Glee, mm-hmm. but they're doing something a little more serious, paying tribute to the late late cast member uh, Corey Monteith. Even I was like. That's too fucking young. No, I hate the idea of kids watching their kids' shows and seeing someone die like that, man. Really yeah. bum- really bums me up. Yep. He died on July 13th, and the episode The Quarterback deals with the main character's grief over the death of his character. <sighs> and I can just imagine how all these kids felt the way I felt watching news radio as Dave Foley read out Bill's wishes in the <laughs> Goodbye Phil Hartman episode. Hey, look, mm-hmm. it still gets to me, man. Let's lastly talk about Gams. Gams, not the legs, the playable ones. Beyond Two Souls on PS3. The Heavy Rain People doing something with, is this the one with Elliot Page? Yep. William Defoe stars as Nathan Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I... Yep, looks like Elliot Page is on the cover. I'm guessing that's him, so yeah. Yeah, uh, I never have the patience for these things, but it, I do admire the way they, they're doing some of the most interesting things in the medium, man. Making these weird, 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 sometimes hilariously silly interactive movies with genuine, like high caliber talent. Willem Dafoe. I mean, how do you, do you want to be the guy animating every crag in his face? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and you'll never guess this year. Uh, <laughs> Just Dance was released. Just Dance 2014. Okay, Diana, that yeah. was released for the Wii in uh-huh. 2014. Guess when the last. Just Dance for the Wii, not the Wii U, not the Switch. It's 2006 the the Nintendo Wii. system with their waggle remotes. Yeah, the system came out in 2006. Guess when the last Just Dance for the Wii came out? Do they still make them? No. Damn. Uh, close. 2020. Yes. 2020. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Diana for the win. Yeah. A si- That's a long console life, girl. It's hysterical to think of this game being that important to the system 16 years on unbelievable it's because even now you give it to your kid 
they're busy for two hours. Mission fucking accomplished. It's true. <laughs> I know plenty of people who buy only Just Dance for their consoles. Like, that's just the only game the kids play. And also this Costume Quest on iOS, a great Halloween game. Uh, this may be the best Halloween game of all time. Yep. Oh. The RP- yeah. trick-or-treating RPG with over-the-garden wall vibes. Very, very um, cool. It's, it- it's so hard to capture like the magic of Halloween as a kid. Yes, you can do like a movie and it's like spooky time, spooktober and all that. But like the actual experience of going around and collecting candy, that's that's hard to capture, I feel. Oh man, this is hilarious as of right now. Also in the Halloweeny vibe, The Wolf Among Us, episode 1. Windows a PC and Xbox 360. I don't know if this still you can still charge for this because I believe a dispute Over the license for this, the copyright owner and creator just relinquished his copyright on it into the public domain because he was, I believe, almost exclusively because of this game. (laughs) Because DC never really talked to him or gave him his fair share of whatever it was. So rather than tie himself up in decades worth of litigation, he's just like, well, I am the sole owner. I just can't do anything with anybody but DC. I can sue them for years. So instead, I'm giving it to everybody. <laughs> do whatever you want with it. <laughs> Which I thought was Is- would have been more admirable if he hadn't had just uh, redrew public domain <laughs> fairy tale characters. <laughs> Well, he's got his own spin on them. It's true. It's true. It's still subject to copyright. Does make me wonder what is the largest IP any author's ever gone. This is public domain now. You do what you want with it. Hmm. This might be it. I can't I think of any I, bigger ones. I, I mean, I, I'm ones not sure. It'll run be... their course like Winnie the Pooh. That's one thing. But an artist going, yeah. nope, I don't want that money. Take it. This, this wasn't due in the public domain for another like 70 years. <laughs> and, just, mm. and not even a good guy as far as I know. Just He just hates <laughs> Warner Brothers in DC so much for licensing games. like which, which was a very good Telltale game, by the way. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge fan of yeah. the Fables. Fables is what we're talking about. It's based on the comic series Fables. Yep. yep. This is the kind of game I can play because I don't have to move very fast. Yeah. I, I don't have to shoot anything. I don't have to have any hand-eye coordination. I can just click through and watch a movie. No, there's a so, lot of yeah, walking around. There's a lot of interactivity, but like not a lot of reflex-based stuff. Just yeah. in, unless you're talking about dialogue trees. Sometimes you got to speak quickly. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, a game I can... I don't have the energy to even try and speak on. Pokemon X and Y hits 3DS. That's a game for Pokemons. Let me show you that. If this was the Pokemon play game you played in your youth, it is the best Pokemon game. There. There you go. Uh, we'll see. If Nintendo remakes it, I'll believe it's great. Don't go anywhere. We're going to tell you who died during this period of 30-2010 and then have have a little quiz on who was born. Uh, a little bit of pluggery. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Elm Street Nightmare. Brand new season. I don't know if we willed it into existence. But Ash vs. Evil Dead has hit Hulu, so I'm happy to announce. That was us. We did that. We did that. They knew it was coming. Hulu's not going to release that on its own. They knew it had our podcast, our silly little Patreon podcast. Throw us five bucks. We'll give you over 100 uh, exclusive commentaries and podcasts on the platform. New stuff coming every day, including a new episode about uh, Vacation. It was really awesome to talk to Vanessa about that being one of her family favorite movies and one I just pretty much neglected in lieu of its Christmas variant. Uh, and Diana was on that one. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Die. What about where can I have to you? talk about Imogene Coco or I die. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. Uh, anyway, if you want to follow me, I'm on eh, pretty much just Blue Sky so far at Listener L E C I N E N E R D, letting you know all the different 
things that we recommended and where you can stream them for as cheap as possible. Coming up next week, we have a bunch of things that we mentioned already. Mm. Dennis Leary and Judgment Night, guess what we're talking about? Hell uh, yeah. A movie whose soundtrack is so much more famous than the movie. I'm going to dig into listening to Glad you said thing. famous. I was going to correct you. That movie rules. We also have, oh God, the goddamn Beverly Hillbillies. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Jim Varney playing the role he was born to play. Oh. Um, also, Clint Eastwood is taking us to Boston. It's gonna be sad. Okay. Uh, but we also talked about Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and we're gonna talk about them going head to head next week. Oh, all right. Yes. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, the, the original title to that was 20 Years Too Late." <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last paycheck. Uh, but if that wasn't enough. Daniel Steele is going to deliver a message from Vietnam. What? What? <laughs> Batman breaks his back. Oh. oh. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And yes. the best non-game of all time. Okay. Huh. Non-game. Mm. Non-game game. Non-game mm. video game. Non-game video mm. game. Oh, this might be another one I played <laughs> because I just have to walk around and look at things. That's exactly the game. Yes. Yes! I love games like that. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us who I died. think it's also a game where I had to, like, just get up quietly, go into the other room and say, Michael, Michael, is anything going to jump out at me? Because I swear to fucking God. I swear <laughs> to God. Anyway. Let's play the Who uh, Died talk- game. <laughs> All right. Let's play the Who Died game. Well, huh, we lost some interesting folks this week. Uh, in 1993, we lost Larry Walters. The American lawn chair pilot is lawn chair Larry. He died at 44, unfortunately, uh, by his own hand. He's the guy who attached a ton of weather balloons to his lawn chair, took uh, a CB radio, uh, some snacks, a couple beers, uh, and a pellet gun up. He made it to 16,000 feet and into the uh, flight path for Long Beach Airport. He was going to use the pellet gun to shoot balloons to lower, but he got a little lower and then he dropped his pellet gun uh eventually he got stuck in some electrical lines but he was okay he did knock out power for a little bit but he was okay Sixteen thousand feet incredible in a fucking lawn chair uh also in 1993 we lost agnes de bell who is 88 she was a famous choreographer and i think sister of cecil b Mm. and in 2003 we lost some real ones for really dumb reasons let's start with uh timothy treadwell 46 and his girlfriend Amy Huguenard, who was 37, don't make friends with bears. But they're so fluffy. I know. I wish I could cuddle them too and be their friend, but it's late in the season. You know, it's Fat Bear Week right now. It's late in the season where they're really fattening up so they can go take a sleepy. And there's not a lot of food around because there there was some drought problems in Alaska. And uh, Timothy Treadwell looked like food. And yeah. That's the it's the star grizzly man. It's one of my favorite documentaries. Got eaten. And, it's fantastic and and so utterly tragic. This f- trying to keep respect for the dead. This maroon mm. who loved bears so much, he gave his body. No, he loved bears so much, he ne- completely ignored the idea that you are not supposed to be this close to them and interacting with them in this way. This is yep. completely wrong. And just that he's like. I love you, Mr. Grinch. Isn't Mr. Like Mr. Grinch eats him. It's, it's the he's filming and, and fawning over the, the very thing that will eat him. 
Yep. What's the closest you've ever been to a bear? Um, the zoo. Very close. Uh, oh, but no, wait, like... wait, no, I've seen them out out my car uh, about thirty feet away. I was I was in the Everglades once, and we were driving out, and then a bear walked right in front of the car, and you just see this like black hump, and then he stood up in front of the car and just looked at me and my dad, and we were you. It's a kind of respect you don't you, you have to get in person. It just doesn't convey well on film. Like a, a creature nope. that size, that close to you, is fucking horrifying. I was uh, hiking around Yellowstone Park with my dad, and we hiked far down this one path, and then it was time to turn around to catch our bus home. There's only one path. 20 buses, though. (laughs) Well, we were on a tour, so we kind of wanted our bus. So we're walking back, and my dad nudges me and says, what's that? And I look ahead. It's a bear walking on our path. Now, if you're a bear, do you want to walk on the brambles? Or would you walk yeah. on this nice, clean path that these humans have done for you? So we keep our distance. And I have never been so bored and so terrified in my life. Because <laughs> we're trying to keep the safe distance away from this bear. And he is so goddamn smart. Oh, he's not walking at you. He's walking away <laughs> no, he's, from you. he's walking away from us. And we're, like, trying to keep our distance. Also trying to get to our bus. And it's like this weird combination of scared and bored out of our minds. <laughs> I had that. T- I forgot. I was in Alaska, and the bears are what do you call that? They've been they're so ingrained with human gobbledygook, they just come and eat out of the trash. And I walked with some people who worked at whatever hotel we were hiking through and chased bears away from the trash can. I, I was. You can see it on my Instagram. I'm very close to this bear. And you can't see who I'm talking to. A little kid has run up behind me, and I am holding him away from the bear he's running at. I don't know where his parents were, but he was way... I was too close to that bear, and I knew it, but I got really terrified when he got close. Cause it, and was this a full-size grizzly bear? It was a, not a full-size grizzly. It was definitely a, right. a, among the baby variety, but you know, they told me we're not running at starving bears. These are bears who want easy pickings. If they were starving... You do not. They run at them with trash can lids. Mm-hmm. No, you do not. Not even. Not even a gun would you run at a hungry bear. These are just mischievous little bears who want an easy meal. Yeah, no, uh, they were taken out by bears. Probably like eight hundred pounds. They did a necropsy. They found people parts in him. Um, he's a big bear. Release that yeah. audio, Werner. No, <laughs> leave. Just don't. I. Yes, I wish we lived in a world where I could just go out to Alaska and just walk up to a bear and give him scratchies. Mm-mm. We don't. Nope. We never. we don't. Anyway, we got one more death though. Chris was somebody you like. Twenty thirteen oh. is when we lost Mark Chopper Reed, who was fifty eight. I never said this I liked him. I like the movie of made about the movie. Him. He's just an interesting guy of mm-hmm. just like a lifelong criminal who just wrote a bunch of books about his lifelong criminality. Just an Australian what don't give a shit. He got hep C in prison from sharing a razor blade with someone. Yeah. And that ended up fucking up his liver enough that that killed him at 58. He's like, what a I can't weird way to go. Describe him. He's like a con man. But instead of conning people, he just physically and threatens them and behaves like a psychopath and gets everybody, including people in jail to do everything he wants. No, but I don't say I like him personally, but oh, the movie interesting. is very interesting. So guy. fun. But with the uh, death out of the way, what are we looking at, GR? It's time for the b- b- birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. 
ding dong, googly googly ding dong, do. Turning 60. She was a childhood crush of mine, and when they're old enough to join the AARP, that's always a bit of a kick in the teeth to me. <laughs> Who could that be? Born October 6, 1963, in Wilmington, Delaware. She attended Harvard University in 1985, but withdrew to pursue her acting career. Huh. Gillian Anderson? No. Damn. Movies of hers... And I'm going to go backwards, because otherwise you'd get it right away. Yeah. Greyhound 2020, Death Wish 2018, Battle of the Sexes oh. 2017, Piranha 3D 2010. Oh, hey, you got it. Oh. Hollow Man 2000. Yeah. Oh. The Saint, Soap Dish, Back to the yes. Future Part 3, to the Future Part 2. Two, but not Part Co- 1. Not Part 1. Cocktail... Adventures in Babysitting, which was my uh crush movie. <laughs> and The Karate Kid. And the Boys. And the Boys. And the Boys. Yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. That is correct. Yes. Yep. Also, she starred in Body Wars, the Epcot <laughs> uh, Center film about going into someone's body. I love that that's the ride I've been on like three times and not ever the original Star Tours. Uh, fucking hate and also uh, Hamlet 2, where she plays Hamlet. herself, who's given up acting, and she just works at, like, the blood center, I think. <laughs> and she's just like, yep, yep, no, I'm Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, you had a crush on me. That's great. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. But that concludes our show. We're going to close out with Daughter by Pearl Jam, which was, I think, other than that awful Last Kiss cover, was, like, the most radio play I ever heard Pearl Jam get after that one album. Yeah, well, it's this, they just left release verses. It's the second album. It's always tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a lot of good songs on verses. I, I like that, but yeah, I can't. I can't compare. Second albums are tough, but yeah, daughter. It's a lovely of, song. Yeah, so we'll close out with that. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Give us five bucks. Evil Dead series. A bunch of eighties and stuff. Just do it. Tell a friend about the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Don't go.